2: You're on Dayton's ESPN radio station. And we are the Dayton's home of the Cincinnati Reds. And the Cincinnati Reds, for the first time in a long, long, long time, right, now in the playoff picture. And last night they had arguably probably, in my opinion, their biggest win uh, in probably the last seven years. Uh, It was their biggest game that they've had in probably seven years. I mean, regardless of the result, that was a huge game last night that the Cincinnati Reds, uh, of course, had to play in. And last night, Trevor Bauer, who, let's be honest, I, of course, had a (laughs) thing or two to say about him throughout the season. My point is, is, hey, you pitch like that, you keep winning. I don't really care what you tweet, who you tweet about, how many tweets a day. Uh, It is what it is as far as that's concerned. But we're excited to be hanging out with all of you here today. We got a jam-packed show, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here. You want to call into the Justin Kinner show with Kev Nash, you could do so at 457-9464. You can also head to Facebook and search the Justin Kinner show and watch us live. You can also subscribe and uh, head to YouTube. Subscribe to the ESPN Dayton YouTube channel, as well as follow along live on Twitter at 1410 Kinner, K-I-N-N-E-R, and of course at one uh, Kev Nash. We got a busy show today. We have we you know, don't have many guests too often. We have about you know one a day if that's. But today we have two, not just two guests, but two Hall of Fame guests coming up here at the top of the hour, four o'clock. Uh, Dickie V, ESPN's Dick Vitale, he's going to come on and join us. We got his brand new book, which highlights a lot of what the Dayton Flyers were able to accomplish this past season, the lost season. And we're excited to be joined by Dick Vitale coming up here in about an hour and some really cool stuff. I mean, if you for watching live on Facebook, I mean multiple pages that highlight the. Dayton Flyers. I mean, you can see, oh, I mean, you can recognize that. It's a nice little silhouette right there. You don't even need to see who it is. I mean, you know exactly who it is. Uh, but again, it's a really good book. I was able to at least catch up on all the chapters that have the Flyers in it. And then at the back, he simulates what how he thinks the 2020 March Madness NCAA tournament would have finished out. And he has the Dayton Flyers going pretty deep. And we'll talk about why this getting this book is important. He said he needs your help, Flyer fans. So we'll talk about that with him coming up at the top of the hour, 4 o'clock. And then at 5 o'clock, we'll be Joined by another Hall of Famer, we'll talk Reds with Hal McCoy. Excited to chat with him, too. It's been a while since we've had him on.
3: We're loaded. Loaded today, man. Loaded with Hall of Famers. Loaded with big-time guests. Um, Dickie V, awesome baby with a capital A. And, you know, talking about Dick Vitale and, you know, remembering the college basketball season, that was one of the last things we did before the world shut down. Oh, no kidding. When College Game Day came to town down at... UD Arena and everything like that You and I went out there with Adrian We took video and got up on the web And went to the game later that night Opie had the between the leg dunk They had a great win It was rocking, and then just like that, everything got pulled from underneath
2: us, man. Yeah, they head uh, to Brooklyn to go to the uh, Barclays Center where they were supposed to play in the A-10 tournament. They were in. I mean, they they flew there. They were there. And then, of course, the rug got pulled out from underneath them, uh, and there was was no looking back from that. But, yes, uh, one of the final great memories from the Flyers' 2019-2020 uh, season was not just the way the team played and, and, you know, where they could have potentially gone in the NCAA tournament, but it was when, of course, that game against Davidson when Dick Vitale and ESPN were in town calling the game, and all of a sudden at the game you look up and there's Dick Vitale's big old head just right mm-hmm. there on that big jumbotron there, which, you know, and uh and now, hey, you know, Hey, Dayton, it's game day. Game day is coming to town, so we're excited to talk with Dick Vitale coming up here uh, in just under an hour. But I want to open up your Cincinnati Reds last night. Like I said to open up with, I truly believe that last night um, was... The biggest win that they've had in quite some time. I mean, I mean, literally, it was the biggest game that they've had, and I'd say at least arguably seven years since the last time that they were in the playoffs. Um, and last night, what I saw was growth from a team that I've been very critical of, of really just kind of disappearing when things really started to get rolling. I mean, let's be clear. Everyone right now is pulling the, hey, Kenner, are you going to apologize about David Bell thing? I'm not going to apologize about anything that I've said about David Bell or the Reds when they were losing and when they were struggling, because that's what we do. When our teams win, we sit there and say, oh, H, and we do all these Crazy chance, and we talk about all you know, we say how great they're. But guess what? When they lose, I think it's fair to point out hey, here's why they're losing, and it's not a good thing. And I believe that the Reds were losing games that they should not have lost early in the season. But hey, you know what? These last 10 games have been the biggest 10-game stretch in in not the history of the Reds. That's ludicrous. But it's been the biggest 10-game stretch uh, for the Reds within the last seven years, as I mentioned. Right now, if the playoffs started today, they're in. They took two or three from the Brewers, which yesterday I closed out the show saying the reason that it is so important that the Reds come away with the win is because if in the second-to-last series of the season... You close out a series that you lose when you have Luis Castillo pitching game one, Sonny Gray pitching game two, and Trevor Bauer pitching in game three. Had the Reds lost two of three with those horses on the mound, that would not bode well confidence-wise, not just for the team, but for me as a fan and for you as a fan. How are you supposed to have confidence in a team that, would have potentially dropped two of three with those three horses on the mound. And last night you saw exactly why for one, we already know who's going to pitch game one of the playoffs. If it comes down to that, all this talk about, should you pitch Trevor Bauer on Sunday? I think if it comes down to that game and you desperately need it, I mean, technically we're sitting there saying the playoffs start next week. I've been arguing all week that the playoffs have officially already started. um, And that's, kind of the vibe that i think everyone's getting at this point the, the reds right now are playing their best baseball and uh you look at eugenio suarez who's starting to heat up at the right time because he was not hitting well uh you know the fact that he's starting to swing the bat and you know that that's huge joey vado had a big at bat last night of course he goes yard right off the bat makes it two nothing early gives trevor bauer a little run support but what i saw last night wasn't just the you know the contributions offensively it was what trevor bauer brought to the mound and what I've been screaming about this Reds team for quite some time, and I always use the Big Red Machine as an example, is when you think about those those dominant years for the Reds during the big, you know, during the '70s, you know, when the Big Red Machine, everything going on. What was dominant and great about them was the fact that they had personality. They had flair. They had, like, you know, when you tuned into the Big Red Machine, you knew what you were getting. You, they had personalities. They had guys that were must see guys. And I just felt like the Reds, you know, you're talking about trying to develop every single position, which great. If you could develop every single position and not have to spend much money, then great. It just doesn't work out that way. You're hoping that for every position on the field, you're hoping to try to develop each one. But if you could at least strike gold with two to three of those guys, now you're working because you could fill the gaps with, you know, financially. The Reds just limited financially more so than other teams, but hey, that's what they did this past offseason, going out to get Castellanos, going out to get Moustakis, making the trade last year at the deadline to go get a Trevor Bauer, the sign and trade that they did to start last season with Sonny Gray and the Yankees. I mean, this has been an ongoing process um, that the Reds are starting to reap the rewards for. David Bell, I've said a lot of critical things regarding, I don't agree with his managerial style, but I will say this, and I've been saying this since the very beginning. People get annoyed with me on Twitter because I am very critical of David Bell's managerial style, but I've always said from the very beginning that if he manages like that and it leads to wins, you won't hear a peep out of me. My biggest complaint about everyone that would get frustrated with me complaining about the Reds and David Bell's managerial style was the fact that you are defending managerial decisions that are leading to losses. I can't say a word. When the Reds are winning, like David Bell, you know, Pulling guys early here and there or, you know, making, you know, late switches and changes, you know, late in the game when you should have some of your better hitters up. You don't hear a peep out of me. Reds win. David Bell's doing it his way. Won't hear a peep out of me. I, that's all I care about. I just want to see this team win. You want to see this team win. Ultimately, when everyone gets mad at me, we all ultimately want the same exact thing, and that is to watch this Reds team win ball games, and that's what they're doing. And, they've, you know, I guess I'm always that negative person that's like, man, they're winning all these games now, but imagine if they were just playing even a fraction of this maybe two to three weeks earlier, we wouldn't be sitting here worried about the final three games. We would be sitting here, you know, sitting comfortably wondering who our opponent's going to be and not wondering if we'll have another opponent past Sunday. And, and that's the big thing. But, again, I'm putting all that behind because the best teams play their best baseball at this time of the season. And what I'm starting to see from this team is that is that the moment's getting bigger. As the games are getting bigger. As the lights are getting brighter. As the the air getting a little crisper. It's not intimidating This what was a young Reds team over the last couple of years. It's now a chiseled veteran-led group. That looks like they are ready for the moment. It looks like they are ready to hit the ground running. It looks like they're ready to play their best baseball as October is just around the corner. You saw them take two or three from the Brewers. They played really well against the White Sox. They swept the Pirates. They have the Twins coming up, a very, very good Twins team. So the Reds have their work cut out for them. But I feel for the first time in a long time confident, not hopeful, but confident. I feel that this team is, and I've been confident. I've been frustrated with this team all year, mainly because on paper, This is a team that should have been doing this all along. But at the same time, rather than focus on that negative all season, I'm going to focus on what they're doing now. They swept the Pirates. They took two or three from the White Sox, one of the top teams in baseball, record-wise. All right, they just took two or three from the Brewers, a team that basically it is a playoff matchup because both of those teams are fighting for one of those final couple playoff spots. And the Reds basically just kind of stiff-armed them and put them back down to the ground. And now they're looking right ahead. They're looking straight ahead, ready to go. I'm telling you for the first time in a long time, I I don't tune into a Reds game and hope that they win. I'm tuning in expecting them to win. And I expect, and, and I'm feeling as if they expect to win too. This is great. This is fun. And uh, I started at this station back in t- uh, 2014, and it's been losing baseball from from the very beginning. Every season, every pregame show I did when I first started, every you, you know a- anything we've done Reds wise, it's always been about. Well, I wonder if this guy will develop and turn into something. I wonder if they'll be at least competitive this year. This is a team that right now is heading in the right direction, and I feel really, really good about it as far as that's concerned. Real quick, Kev, let's go to the Facebook Live feed. Uh, Ron Howard says uh, that uh, Bauer did show a lot of confidence last night. It was beyond confidence. (laughs) It's it's (laughs) annoying (laughs) confidence. He beat me to the punch. And I'm sorry, but it's like one of those where you hate him if he's not on your team, or if you're me, you hate him on your team. But, uh, no, like last night he took care of business. He took care of business. But, like, I loved it. So one thing I pointed out last night. He struck a guy out. He had runners on first and third, struck three straight batters out in the heart of the order, by the way. It wasn't like he had runners on first and third that he faced at the top of the order and then struck out the weaker second half. He had runners on first and third and struck out Yelich and guys within the heart of the order. This guy is just insane. Like, <laughs> the, I, it, this is the guy that for the last couple of years when we're talking about, man, the Reds should go get Trevor Bauer. The Reds should go get Corey Kluber. The Reds should be... This is why the Reds and me and everyone else wanted Trevor Bauer. And there's a lot of things that drive me nuts absolutely about him because it's never about the team on the field. It's always about what shoes he's wearing. It's about what shoes he's giving away after the game. It's about what the Houston Astros are doing. But you know what? I could deal with all of it when he's pitching like he did last night. And if he does not win the Cy Young Award for the National League, it's, I, I, I don't know what else you could do. The Reds have never had that. So I just I really want to see it. It would be crazy if it is Trevor Bauer. But when he That energy, like I got goosebumps watching him. He struck him out and he just screamed. And I said, Hey, remember all you people out there that get mad about the bat flips about showing up the hitter? Well, or about the pitcher. The pitcher just showed up the hitter. But I'm not taking a shot at Trevor Bauer, and I want to see more of that. I want to see pitchers screaming at a batter when they strike him out. I want to see pitchers giving the double burt. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) I want to see hitters flipping bats and having excitement. Last night was a fun baseball game to watch, and it's like I hate that they don't play today. If you see more games like that, you see more energy from the Reds like that, it's going to go from one of those hopeful seasons to, oh, yeah, we're here to play. And I really hope, and I don't want to get too far ahead, I really hope the Reds find a way to keep Trevor Bauer because uh, I think they have something brewing here, and I think, no pun intended, after beating the Brewers, but I do think they have something brewing here, and it's pretty special. This Twins series is huge. Huge,
3: and he is the NL winner of the Cy Young. I think uh, Shane Beaver is going to walk away with it in the AL, so it would be pretty cool to have both Cy Young winners in the state of Ohio and everything like that. But, like, the energy, you know, that's that's what... That's what we want out of pitchers in and, and big-time moments, and that's what he delivered last night. And the only thing that I will say that I was sorry about is that the fans that go to all the games, that's been going to the games, of all the losing, finally have a winner on their hands, and they're not able to experience this winning in yep. person. So that, that sucks for the fans.
2: Like, Ballard was able to dip, uh, like dig deep down and get and create that energy. And, like, that's what you always say. Like, leaders, like, you know, it's always like those sports, you know, things that you say. Like, okay, you're saying but sometimes you can't do it. You've got to create your own energy. Yeah. How many times do you think coaches have told their kids that this year in, in football? Because, hey, there's going to be, I mean, Ryan Day is going to be preaching that big time at the shoe. Hey. We're gonna have 110,000 fans here pushing us along to beat that team up north. So you're gonna have to create. You're going to have to create your own energy, and that's what Trevor Bauer did last night. And what's cool is, is that you're seeing the team respond to what's on the field and what's not in the stands. And I think, and you can make your jokes about, oh, that's how the Red Stadium always look. The Reds haven't played like this in September in seven years. Mm-hmm. So you know what? This is special, and you're right. And try not to be negative. but All I kept thinking about is, man, I get I get goosebumps picturing when they do like that. They, they start panning out, and they show the whole ballpark. And I'm like, my goodness, what would a great American ballpark look like right now with fans just losing their mind? Because the Reds were excited the last time that they made the playoffs, but I think it's going to mean even more the next time fans could witness this live. Because, of for one, not being able to attend games at all this year, but just mm-hmm. experiencing all the losing for the good part of this past decade. So this is special, whether you can go to the park or not. I mean, last night was the last home game. That's one thing I did forget about yesterday when we we're talking wow. about that game. Last night was the final home oh, game. that's right. For the, the Reds are in the bubble. In a bubble. Yeah, and they're not going to host. They're, I don't. They're not going to have. A, they're going to be playing at the higher seed, so it's not like they're going to be hosting anybody.
3: Yeah, um, you mentioned the fans and everything like that. It it is crazy to think the fans weren't there for a moment like this. The fans weren't there when AD hit the buzzer beater to beat the Nuggets in Game Two. Like these are all things that fans pay big bucks for. They pay big dollars to go to these games and to see moments like that and everybody has to watch these moments on tv so it's going to be great once the fans are able to get back into the stadium and experience these moments with their favorite teams again be it if it's a team that i don't like like the lakers <laughs> like it doesn't matter it's all really about the fan experience man i feel bad for fans of these teams that aren't able to experience these moments with the team Especially the Reds after all this losing. Now you got a winner on your hands.
2: All right, four five seven nine four six four. Let's hear from your Reds fans because I'm I'm looking forward to talking Reds and to not be about. Can you believe what David Bell did last night? Can you believe Joey Votto did that? Can you believe that you know? I'm I'm over all that right now. The Reds are playing good baseball. And I know you're used to negativity, folks. And don't worry, I have some. We have Bengals talk coming up in a little bit. I have, exactly. plenty, I have plenty saved for you guys coming up. Um, but great stuff here. Four five seven nine four six four. Head to Facebook, search the Justin Kidder Show on Facebook. You can watch live there as well, and you can comment in the comment section, and we can interact with you uh, in the middle of the stream. Uh, Trav, uh, Travco Travis says, uh, "Sure, wish the last three was against the Pirates." I think a lot of people do uh, as well, as far as that's concerned. And when you look at the standings, and you look at kind of the team coming up in the Twins. Wins. I mean they 're not a team that you, you know you talk a lot about, and they're not they 're probably not even a World Series favorite heading in, but they are a playoff team, and you look at Minnesota who's winning the central by the way uh, they're, i mean they 've already won the central uh, a thirty five win team and by the way it 's hard to win games. Like I started thinking, I'm like, man, you know, remember at the beginning of the season we were doing the over unders for the for the teams coming up, and I was like, man, for sure the Reds, you know, I think like uh, Vegas had them at like thirty two, thirty two and a half, or thirty one and a half for the win total. I said, I'm taking the, I'm going way over. I'm gonna go way over on the Reds win total because I think they are good enough to win more uh, than thirty one games. And uh, right now it doesn't even look like they're gonna get to thirty wins, or it doesn't look like they might get to it. I mean they're at twenty nine and twenty eight. I mean, you take two or three, they're going to be right at that 31. They'll still be the under. Uh, they're still going to be the under as far as that's concerned. But I thought, man, this team could easily win 40, 42 games in that range, I thought. But it's tough to do. I'm looking at these records around Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, which, by the way, Dick Vitale, who's going to join us coming up at four, he's a huge Tampa Bay Rays fan. Uh, excited to hear from him about that. On, you know, But 37 and 20, and that's arguably from pitching and hitting standpoint, Kev, it 37. They're only gonna they might finish with maybe eight more wins than the Reds. And you would say that the Reds look abysmal compared to Tampa on the season. The Yankees won thirty two. And they clawed to that 32 with all the injuries that they faced, being without Aaron Judge for good chunks of time, Giancarlo Stanton, Sanchez, and a lot of their top guys. Uh, I mean, Garrett Cole. I mean, these guys have missed a lot of significant time. The Twins, 35 and 22. Uh, you know, the White Sox, 34 and 22. And then you have the Indians at 32 and 24. You want to talk about that division? No one, no one really circled that division coming in. Right. The White Sox were on the, you know, on the up, but you know, they'd spent some money in the offseason. You didn't know what to expect. Minnesota has been good for a few years, and, and the Indians were expected to take. A step back mainly because hey, you've lost Corey Kluber, you've lost Trevor Bauer, you end up losing Clevenger at this point. So, but th- that team just keeps on rolling. Which, by the way, I did see that your dude is most likely going to be pitching in, or uh, coach managing your yes, post uh, season. I saw that today, uh, and uh, so Brancana. that's huge. absolutely. Um, so I mean, look, the, the Athletics really good team 34 uh, and 31, the Braves 34 and 22, the Cubs 32. And so, my point is, is I mean, you got the dot, and the Dodgers are way better than everybody else. But the Dodgers' best team, so the Dodgers might finish with 10 more wins than the Reds. But think about it, that's not that many more wins than the Reds. And I'm not saying that win totals always just kind of tell the story of the gap in talent, but let's be clear. You look at the gap in talent between the Reds and Dodgers, it's pretty significant, and the Dodgers may only finish with 10, nine more wins than the Reds. It's tough to win games in this 60-game stretch. I, gave, I did not give enough credit to the quick turnaround of the season and how it's going to be managed different and how you know players being out was going to definitely impact a team more in a 60-game season versus 162. All I know is, is at this point, all I got to say is that it feels really good talking about this Reds team right now. And look, this could all blow open our face come this weekend, but it feels pretty good. Let's go to Jerry. Kev. Bring, bring Jerry on real quick. Jerry, hey, hey, how are you, man? What's up, man? I'm good,
0: man. So I'm a little, I'm still a little disappointed in this Reds you know, team.
2: Okay. Ah, that's right. Sprinkle that negativity on there. Usually, that's not me saying that.
0: Well, look, going into look going into last night, this was the worst hitting team in the major leagues with a two eleven batting average.
2: Yep Two
0: eleven. That is historically bad. Yep. And they were 26th in runs scored out of, you know, this offense is not good. And let's let's keep it let's keep it real here. In a 60 game schedule for they to be a five win difference or a six win difference, if you extrapolate that over 162 games, now you're talking about a 20 30 win difference. So let's not get it twisted. I look, I'm happy they're in the playoff hunt, but if they didn't have
2: the expanded playoffs, We'd be sitting home. No, that's not true. I was wrong on that yesterday. I did look into that today. They would actually be in. If the season ended today in a full 162-game season based on where they're like, not based on the win totals, but on the separation of games, they would be in regularly. But, Jerry, you're not wrong. This is not a good, but that's that's... That's what's frustrating about this team is, yep. or impressive I should say, the fact that they are even in contention considering how bad of a hitting team that they are. It's uh, a miracle. It's the pitching, but let's be clear, pitching is what's going to take you far into the playoffs. And I don't think there are, and hear me out on this, they no, n- numerically wise, yes, they're a bad hitting team. But they're playing bad. They're hitting bad. They're not a bad hitting team. They're hitting bad right now. Does that make sense? Like, I think at the snap of a finger, they can turn it on. Like, Votto can get hot at any time. Suarez and Moustakas and Castellanos. And, like, I think that, you know, imagine if Sinzel gets hot at the right time. I just mean, what I mean by that is they don't have bad hitters on the team, Jerry. They are just not hitting collectively right now. But imagine if they flip that switch, which they have over the last ten days. That's the deal.
0: Well, I mean, I question whether Votto's still a good hitter. I mean, what's he done in the last couple of years?
2: Well, all I know is last night he put them up 2 nothing, and the Reds didn't look back from there. But, I do, look, he's not the same Votto. I, I always say, look, he's not the Votto of old, but I don't think he's old Votto yet. There's still a lot left in the tank. If you ignore the 25 mil a year that the Reds have to pay him and you just focus on the contributions that he gives on, a, maybe not a night-to-night basis, but a series-to-series basis, he doesn't disappear too often. It's more often than you'd like, but it's not as often as you'd think.
0: Right. Well, And don't get me wrong. I'm a Reds fan. I want to see him win. Yep. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just worried that, you know, I think there's offensive holes, and we, you know, you'll you'll be able to ask Cal here in a couple hours, and yep. maybe he'll have a different perspective on it. But I see a lot of bats missing baseballs in the in the batter's box, and I see, you know, I see a lot of guys. Now, don't get me wrong. When the bat hits the ball, it goes a long way, right? But it doesn't hit the the bat doesn't hit the ball nearly enough for this team to go very far in the playoffs. And, you know, they're kind of backing into the playoffs with the expanded playoffs. So I'm glad that they're going to make it or, or have the chance to make it. Although the Twins series coming up, let's, let's be honest, these Twins can hit and they can pitch. So they're gonna, the Reds are going to need to really keep the foot down on the gas if they're going to make it because this Twins team is tough.
2: I I agree. And Jerry, we're out of time, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. And look, Jerry brings up a good point. Now, Jerry just said... He feels like this, you know, I asked this question yesterday. If the Reds make the playoffs, how do fans feel about it? How, you know, is it a, and I'm not going to say, is it a respected playoff appearance, but is it one of those where you, how much stock do you put into it as far as like, okay, they made the playoffs. Is this a playoff team moving forward? I don't think, I think if you did a poll, I don't think many, I, I think it would be less, I think it would be way more fans saying that this isn't a playoff team moving forward based on what they've seen, but they are a playoff team right now. But to Jerry's point, when it all, when it all comes down to is, hey, Whether you think that they've earned it to get in or not, they've earned it the last 10 games, and it's all about who's hot heading in, and they have a very good Twins team, a division champion Twins team coming in, or they're going to them, I'm sorry. If the Reds get in, that means they've earned it. That means because the Reds, again, you swept the Pirates. Well, it's the Pirates. Well, it's a bad Pirates team. It's tough to sweep good or bad teams in Major League Baseball. You swept them. Uh, one of the top teams, the best team in Major League Baseball record-wise, they took two or three from the White Sox. So the Brewers, who you're having to like just shove back and keep off your ankles to keep you in the playoffs, and the Reds did that. They took two or three with their best pitchers on the mound this series, which is what you're going to have to rely on come playoff time. So if they want to get into the playoffs and remain in the playoffs, because they're in as of right now, they have to take at least two for three or two or three from uh, Minnesota, and I think that they 're good enough to do it. And if they don't, then that mean, that's on them. But, again, if they get in, I think they've earned it. They've definitely earned it as far as that's concerned. David Shaw on Facebook says, Pitching will take you deep into the playoffs, but you have to have timely hitting. I don't believe they will have that type of hitting against the pitching that they will face. The other playoff teams have good pitching as well. And that I completely agree with. That I completely agree with. And, like, the Trevor Bauer that the Reds had last night, the best chance that the Reds have to go in any kind of run in the playoffs is to get that on a nightly basis from whoever steps out on the mound. All right, we have Charlie and Rick and Tyler and Mike on hold, I promise. We're going to go in that order when we come back. I want to get to more of your calls. We have more Facebook uh, reaction coming in. Ron says the Reds in 162, uh, the way it's going, maybe 80 win team to a roller coaster like season. It's been a roller coaster already. David Kendrick, is it a successful season for the Reds if they just make the playoffs? Do they need to win their first series? Uh, David, it's a success. If they make the playoffs, it doesn't matter what happens in the playoffs. Now, that sounds like a loser answer because I want them to win in the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. But, no, they getting in the playoffs is a huge step Absolutely. forward. 100%. That's a huge step forward.
3: We talked about this yesterday. The pressure isn't on the Reds. The pressure is on teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees. This is the first step of
2: getting back to where you want to be. You know, you can't just, all right, we're in the playoffs. And then-. It, is, it is what it is. We'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kenner Show with Kev Nash next. back. For those of you watching live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, I'm holding in my hand ESPN Dick Vitale's brand new book, The Lost Season. He highlights, well, the lost season that was the 2019-2020 college basketball season that, of course, had the NCAA tournament pulled out. Like a rug from underneath us at the very last moment. I mean, right during conference tournament time. And uh, I tell you what, I mean, so many teams were impacted by that. Fans were impacted by that. Programs. I mean, everyone across the board was impacted by that. And uh, we're excited to talk about the lost season, Dick Vitale's new book, which I'll proceed So there's that. Uh, But, no, again, just last night was huge. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Here's the deal when it comes to Trevor Bauer. Because I know that right away when it comes to, man, the Reds need to find a way to keep him. Oh, no, you don't need to find a way to keep him. You have Hunter Green coming Listen, the reason that the Reds' rebuilt, got to the point that it did to where they had to hit the eject button, had to hit the panic button, it's because they kept trying to convince themselves that we don't need to pay for this position because we have guys coming up. Mm -hmm. And we've seen how difficult, and the Reds need to realize, although they might trust their farm system more than they have in years past, you can't bank on that. Your window to win is short. And I've said that from the very beginning. When they started spending money, your window to win is very small. And it was with that three- to four-year window. And that was starting last year, so we're in year two of that three to four year window. So if it means going all in, Trevor Bauer only wants one year deals, anyways. So if you have to spend, if you have to overspend to keep him for one year, I'm fine with that. If you can't bring Castellanos back because you have to overspend to get Trevor Bauer, that's fine. Because as Jerry, the caller just called in a little bit ago and talked about how bad they were offensively. You're right, they've been very bad offensively, and yet here they are. And they're here because of this pitching. So to me, it's very important that the Reds focus on keeping this pitching through any means necessary. If it means overspending on Bauer, which after what I saw last night, any spending is, any overspending, I welcome it. I don't want to repeat whatever happened with Joey Votto where people lost their minds. I like the deal with Joey Votto because I'm smart enough to know that when I look at that, I'm like, hey, you know, when they gave that money to Joey Votto, anytime you give a max contract that's 10 plus years to a player. Teams aren't stupid, and they don't—they're not dumb. Teams know that when they are paying for ten to twelve years for a player, you're only getting seven to eight. And the Reds got their seven to eight, and now you're dealing with the back end of the contract. And to be honest, Votto is still better at the back end of his contract than what most guys are. I mean, let, let me let's be honest. Do you want Albert Pujols' back end of the contract, or do you want Joey Votto's? I think Joey Votto still brings more to the table than Albert Pujols does at this very moment. That—that's just me. I could be wrong, but that's how I view it. And I'm curious. If you are mad about Joey Votto's contract, I would rather have his performance the way he's playing up and down, but so is Pujols. Uh, And what's crazy is Pujols almost became red. I'll never forget that, uh, you know, talking about that when they they were close to not giving that extension to Joey Votto, they were going to go all out on trying to get Albert Pujols uh, that year and and pay more. They were going to give him more money than what they gave Votto. So, and to be fair... I would take Pujols over the last 10 years over Votto. Yeah, because earlier in the contract, he's better. Yeah. So I would have taken Pujols. But to be fair, I would take the longevity, though, of Joey Votto over that. The problem is we won't respect everything Votto did over the last six, seven years because he was doing it all when he was like that year that he should have won MVP, what, three years ago? And his numbers were better than his actual MVP season. Um, But again, last place team, you're not getting an MVP on the last place team. So my point is saying all of this is that if you spend too much money to get Trevor Bauer back I'm okay with it I'll applaud the front office I applauded the front office for the work that they did last year and I think they need to do it again you need Trevor Bauer he brings an edge he brings personality it's a personality that drives me up the wall sometimes but again when you're winning and you're potentially going to win a Cy Young and you're the, the ace of a staff that's you know getting into the playoffs you won't hear Pete from me keep winning keep doing what you're doing I've unfollowed him on Twitter because he drives me nuts. <laughs> I don't like, and look, I'm not sure to be funny here, but I can't stand that after a red, the Reds will have a tough loss one night and I get on Twitter and he's tweeting out trash cans about the Houston Astros. I don't like that. It bothers me. I'm like, focus on your team, focus on your opponents, focus on what, you know, but when he's doing all of that while kicking ass, that's swag right there. Not a lot of people, because that's why people hate Baker Mayfield. He talks a lot of smack. He has, he has this, this swag that he thinks he has, but he can't back it up with play on the field. That's his problem. Trevor Bauer, he talks a lot of smack, but he backs it up. That's all that matters. The Reds need to find a way to keep him. Uh, that was very evident last night. Back to the phones. Uh, who do we got? You just you bring him on, whoever we it is. We got Rick. Rick, thanks for holding. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing
1: great. I think on this upcoming series with uh, Minnesota, the Reds only really, really need to win one game to make the playoffs. And here's why I say that. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, all the competitors' schedules, St. Louis and Milwaukee play each other five times in the next four days. One of them going to knock each other out more than likely. Plus, St. Louis would have two games to make up with Detroit, if necessary. Then you look at Philadelphia, who's, you know, fighting with us for a wild card spot there behind us. They finish with three games against Tampa Bay, who's got a great record. And San Francisco plays Colorado today and then finishes four games with San Diego, has a great record. So all those other teams all play tough games, just like we do. Not to mention, Miami, who could fall out of second place and maybe Philly could catch them, and they would be battling with us for the wild card. They finish with the Yankees. So they also have a tough game. So
2: yeah, it's. A t- I mean, the playoffs start this weekend, man. Like, it's crazy. You're right. There's so many big, like, games and tough – like, no, no one's a shoe in But it's not like other teams have, you know, easier paths to get in than the Reds because the Reds have their work cut out for them. They could still, depending on how the Cardinals finish, Rick, they could still finish, you know, second to the NL Central, which was unfathomable not even a week and a half ago. So that's pretty well, cool.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, technically we are tied, but Cardinals are percentage points ahead of us.
2: Which That's is ridiculous. Right. You know what I'm mad about is that the Cardinals, if they end up edging out the Reds for that spot, it's what I've been preaching all along, that what's unfair about this COVID-impacted season is that when the, when the Cardinals missed two straight weeks of games, they missed 20, or 15 games. The Reds were playing their 20th game when the Cardinals played their 6th, and they had to make up all those games in doubleheaders. Well, think about that. 15 games, 15 seven-inning games versus the 15 games that the Reds had to play, a full nine-inning games. How many Reds, How many games did the Reds lose, Rick, late in games, uh, early? In the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, that's why I'm like, I'm not a big... I think that that's... You know, so I'm not going to wave the it's-on-not-fair flag, but at the same time, that is something that'll be... It won't sit well with me if the Cardinals edge out the Reds.
1: Yeah, well, the whole whole season's been a little bit... Wonky. Not to say, ...unfair, mm-hmm. you know, for everybody for pretty much, you know. The fact that you know, you gotta give St. Louis some credit, though, that they had to play all of those games. These other seven-inning games, they playing the... My mother... Only have two games left come
2: uh, Sunday, you know, so. It's you know. crazy. I can't believe last night the Reds technically played their last home game, so. Right. I think one one win and we're in. One win and we're in. I like it. I like 30,
1: it. 30 and 30 is good.
2: 500, I mean, 500 is good right now with the way they started, so I'll take it. I'll take it.
1: And, and um, the Bengals are going to be Philly.
2: Yeah, I think. There's a test for both. I think both right now have a lot to prove. I think Carson Wentz is better than what he's been playing, but I, I'm not sure what's going on in Philly right now. And I'm not trying to rag on the Bengals. I'm just, it's not Joe Bauer, or Joe Bower. I'm all over the place. Trevor Bauer. <laughs> it's not Trevor Bauer. It's not Joe Burrow. My goodness, Justin. It's not Joe Burrow I'm worried about. It's the offensive line. I really hope that offensive line just something clicks this week because they got to find a way to protect him because it's not his fault why they're 0-2. Well, at least
1: Philly, uh, totally I don't think I has a great running back, so maybe we're lucky there.
2: That is true. That is true. All right, man. Rick, thank you for holding. It was great hearing from you. All right, later. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Confident Reds fan. We've kind of, their fans are all over the place. How should they be feeling right now? They should feel good. They should feel good. They're right on the brink. They're right there, but like, okay, Everything they played really good baseball, but it doesn't feel like to me it does. But I feel like fans are the hesitant. Players, I think the players, the players are the ones that really matter here because they're the ones. I've I ain't talking fans. to the players though. though. We're talking to the, the Reds fans. Like that. That's what I'm saying. Like I want to oh, give them the Reds fans. To the fans feel? Oh, but no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. The Reds. I mean, Trevor Bauer. You think last night that was a reaction from a guy that didn't feel like this was that big of a deal? No, that yeah, you know, I agree with you. The, you should feel as confident as the players. do. I agree with you on that, as far as that Look goes. at that! We're green! Oh, you know. It's, it's only 345. Uh, Travco says uh, Nick Lodoa is going to be a stud, too, and I can't remember the last time the Reds had a good lefty starter, maybe Danny Jackson, and that's something they've been looking for. They've been, you know, desperately trying to find that lefty to be able to put in there. I mean, look, when they brought up Cody Reed, Cody Reed initially was thought of to be a starter. He debuted as a starter, and they, you know, he just had a couple good innings every start, and they ultimately moved him into the bullpen, obviously no longer with the Reds. He's with the Rays now, um, but... but... But, yeah, the Reds have been desperately looking for that lefty to put in that rotation. And, obviously, Wade Miley hasn't, you know, I don't think they got Wade Miley thinking he was going to be competing for the ace title at all. But uh, I think they were hoping that he was going to be a good counter uh, within that rotation as far as providing a lefty, um, which he was brought off the IL yesterday. So we'll see what his role is heading into these final three games. Uh, Let's go back to the phones. Kev, who we got? We got Charlie. Charlie, what's up, man?
4: And listen, after the first two days last week, uh, I thought you guys were canceled, <laughs> and, and I started calling, and of course, the phone was like a busy signal, and so I was really freaking out, and then uh, random, like Wednesday or Thursday, I was driving past Kentucky Speedway, scanning through the channels, and Hot 1029 came on. And I heard Kev's voice.
2: (laughs) He's double duty.
4: Hey, I tried to call Kev on hot one oh two nine and busy signal and I'm like, What is happening? Why can't I get any answers? And I could it was it was the craziest thing and I just I didn't know what was going on. And I totally forgot that
2: you were on vacation, so here you are. Yeah, it was a, it was a good vacation. It started out a little rocky, you know. Survived a hurricane. Uh, it was supposed to be a tropical storm, and then turned into Category One. It was a Category Two, and was like one or two miles per hour off from being a Category Three. So to sound cooler, I tell people it's a Category Three. Uh, but we, you know, I got engaged at the end of the year, and people are telling me, "Hey, that's the storm you really need to worry about right there." So, but uh, you know, it was a great week. It was a great week. Well,
4: and you know what? It- that sucks that they had that bad weather during during your trip, but you come back and all of a sudden the Reds are in the hunt.
2: Well, it was and, like uh, I know I, I I watched I came back and I'm like I got. Tweets from Kev talking about the Reds. I actually had Reds fans telling me to stay in Florida because they were undefeated since I left for Florida. (laughs) So, you know, Uh, but yeah, it it was a totally different... Listen, when I left, it was dark and gloomy. There was no Buckeye football. The Reds were horrible. Uh, You know, the the Browns had just got slaughtered. And then I come back to the Browns getting a win. The Reds have gone this tear and are back in the playoff picture. The Buckeyes in the Big Ten is back. I needed that vacation. I really did. It's like a whole new sports world coming back. Man, I got to say...
4: I. It's just, it seems like three years in the making, I feel like we've been told by the Castellinis for like the last three years, like we're spending money, we're putting a team together, we're going to go back to the playoffs, and we've just been waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm excited, and I love Trevor Bauer, I feel like we haven't had any, I know we had Puig for a minute last year, but we haven't had anybody like this since Brandon Phillips, I think. You know, like, somebody really, like, you can get excited about as a fan, like, fun to watch. And he's a pitcher. That's awesome. Kind of like, uh was the last time we had a character pitcher? You know, like the Nasty Boys?
2: No, I agree. You know who else fits that mold? You know who I think complements it perfectly out of the bullpen? Like, imagine this. Like, uh, I mean, if you go from Trevor Bauer and you, you know, Bring in Amir Garrett. Like those two. Like my favorite Reds player right now is Amir Garrett. Um, I'm gonna we're gonna talk about this later. Like the most random jersey you have, because everyone buys jerseys of like the star players. No, you know, and Amir Garrett's not a star, but I will buy his jersey. Like he is the guy that he is my favorite Cincinnati Red right now. Yeah,
4: I'm excited, and you know what i I think if we get in there against the Dodgers, I think we can beat them, man. I really do, and I think that uh, it's just like. There, how often does it happen that a team kind of starts off slumpy, you know, during a normal season, and then come mid-season, you know, like the Nationals last year, and then all of a sudden they come alive? And I think the Reds are starting to hit that right now.
2: And of course, it's the best time to happen.
3: Doing, so, Charlie, I hold on, Charlie. Hold on. I don't mean to cut off, man. Are you trying to start your lawnmower?
2: Yeah. What are you doing over there? I of weird yeah, I sounds coming through. God, I God, hope you ain't in the sorry. bathroom because that sounds like you had some like no, weird no, Mexican no. food or something yeah. for lunch.
4: I was in. I'm in my semi. I'm just sitting
2: here idling. Sorry. Oh, okay. No, okay. Oh, that makes more sense then. Okay, <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. But no, Charlie, we we're, we're, up, we're up against this clock. They they how many they take from the Twins this weekend?
4: I think two out of three. And my my weird jersey is Corey Dillon. So I, hey, who day? Go Red. Love you guys. I'm glad you're still on the radio. All
2: right. Appreciate so we, we appreciate Charlie. that, man. Charlie, take care. Appreciate the call. All right, good stuff. The Reds off tonight. They'll be back in action against the Twins coming up uh, starting tomorrow night. So there's that. All right, folks, we'll be back in a moment. We have ESPN's Dick Vitale coming up again. We're going to talk about his new book, The Lost Season, talk a little Dayton Flyers, talk some college basketball, what roadblocks exist for college basketball that could prevent it from starting on time like what we saw with college football. We'll get to that with Dick Vitale coming up. I am Disinfector.
1: What's with him? What's with him?
3: I told him flu shots gave us a superpower against germs.
1: CVS is your one-stop shop for immunity support. From hand wipes to vitamins that are third-party tested to confirm they meet our high standards. Take that, germs! Plus, get a $5 off $20 shopping pass when you get a free flu shot. Visit CVS today. No-cost flu shots with most insurance. Restrictions apply. Visit cvs.com and cvs.com slash tested for details. It's time for some straight talk. You know where the full court press is in basketball, right? Full defensive coverage with no holes. Well, that's the kind of coverage you get with Straight Talk Wireless. It runs on America's best networks, same as big carriers, but for a lot less. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with
2: 20. <laughs> I just had a feeling. It's just one of them days. All right, everybody, welcome back. you hey, played Austin. a lot, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of luck. By the way, I still haven't figured that out when it comes to some of the Reds fans, though. like So when they were playing bad, it was because of bad luck. So are they having good luck right now, or are they just playing better? No, no, They're just good. I, I, which, by the way, I'm fine <laughs> with that. I, I can handle when you're winning, it's because you're playing good. I can't handle when you're playing bad that you use ex- stupid excuses like, well, it's bad luck. So, there's that. All right. Uh, do John Slayton's on Facebook. Again, back to it's the Justin Kinder show with Kev Nash. We're talking about the Reds. A huge win last night, again, that you know keeps them in the playoffs. They have three more games remaining, all against the Twins. And uh, the Reds take care of business. One win, two wins. We want three. But they're going to have to earn their way to get into the playoffs. It's not going to be a simple uh, little just, oh, well, who cares how this series goes? We're in. They're not in yet. A lot can still happen. Uh, but they do control their own destiny, which, which is what you want. You always want help down the stretch but you also want to feel like hey as long as we do what we need to do we're in and that's where the red's right you keep you win you keep winning you're fine only three games left john sladon's on facebook says they just need uh to tcb at minnesota and have some momentum going into the playoffs i am curious people's thoughts on you know the the idea of using trevor bauer again on sunday Uh, for me again they they used him on short notice last night Mm -hmm. and if if it comes down to it on Sunday. They will use Trevor Bauer if possible. If it yes, they get hands it, on him you know, to try to get they, in, right? and, and I saw people last night losing their minds saying David Bell better not use him on Sunday. You need to, you know, save him for the playoffs. Let's be clear. If there's a situation on Sunday that presents itself to where like you have to win that game to make the playoffs, folks, that's a playoff game at that point. Mm-hmm. Like it may not be labeled the playoffs, but it is the playoffs as far as that is concerned so i would not be surprised i think that they're not going to announce that he's going to be the guy on sunday but i think if it comes down to it i have no problem with them using him as far as that's concerned all right we're going to talk more reds baseball coming up in an hour at the top of the five o'clock hour we'll be joined by hall of famer hal mccoy uh... i was joking earlier that look i've been doing this for about five six years now seven years and i've never been able to interview hal mccoy and talk to him about a winning reds team this will be the first time i've ever got to bring Hal on the show and say hey about them playoff reds? So we're going to be joined by the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy at 5 o'clock. But coming up here in a few minutes at 4 o'clock, we're going to be joined by another Hall of Famer, ESPN's Dick Vite. All right, everybody, we welcome you back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station. It's the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash, and we're going to switch gears here. Of course, we're spending a lot of time talking football. The Reds right now rolling, uh, hopefully ready to punch their ticket to the postseason, which we'll talk more about with Hal McCoy, Hall of Famer, coming up here uh, in just a little bit. Let's go to another Hall of Famer. we got Dick Vitale with us. Dick, welcome in, sir. How are you? I'm doing really well. You know, I'm glad
5: to hear the name Hal McCoy. I used to have a little lunch with Hal McCoy you tell him this. We started down with that at the Broken Egg House. last yard, really knows his baseball inside out. And look at the Reds coming on. Hey, what about my Rays? My Rays clinched the championship of the AL East over the Yankees. And what frustrates me up in the season of Nicolo for 20 years can't go see
2: a play. <laughs> That's where we're at. Like last night watching the Reds and Trevor Bauer have a huge game and I'm like, man, it felt big watching it at home, but I can't imagine what Great American Ballpark would have been like to be able to uh, witness that live. And the same thing for you, just being able to witness the Rays live, be able to clinch a spot in the playoffs. Uh the fans are missing out on a lot, but you know, a few months ago we didn't even think we'd have sports, so I'm just grateful to be watching it at all right now. Yeah,
5: you know Justin, I agree with you, know, it's great having it. We got such a great thing going on where I live down here in the Tampa area. Uh, we got right now our Lightning in hockey, they're playing for the Stanley Cup. They won last night. They're up now two games to one. I'm very good friends with the coach, John Cooper. He and I uh, run a lot of events to help raise money for kids battling cancer. And that's what my new book's about, by the way, Justin. It's all about money being raised for kids battling cancer. And Dayton's figured quite a bit in the book, and it's uh, uh, the lost season people can get autographed copies. They want me to say, Dayton is awesome, baby. Dayton is the best. I write whatever they want. They just go to DickVital.com. DickVital.com. You'll see pictures of there of Opie Toppin who had, what a year he had last year. Incredible when you think about it. Unbelievable. He was just phenomenal. The team was 29-2. They led the nation in field goal percentage. And Obie should be a top, I think he should be top five. Some people say top ten. I think that People are making a mistake. This kid's upside is unbelievable. Average 20 a game last year, seven rebounds, shot like 60% from the field, about 40% from the three. And when I was there for a game, he was electrifying.
2: Now you, you talked about your, your, your latest book, your new book, The Lost Season, a look at what the journey to the 2020 National Championship could have been, and you talk about the De- Dayton Flyers and the magical season they had, uh, and look, a lot of teams were impacted by this, whether they were good teams or bad teams, but some teams were on the brink of, of achieving things that they have not done in decades, including the Dayton Flyers. You were a part of one of the last remaining positives going on in the Dayton area before the sports world came to a collapse. You got to call the game against Davidson, but then you got to really bring the crowd to. The their feet when you announced that game day was coming to Dayton for the first time in program history.
5: Yeah, it really was a lot of fun. I tell you, we talked about passionate fans. Now I was familiar with their fan base. I told the writer David Jablonski. Uh, uh, I told him uh, when he interviewed me prior to do that game. I was there the year we played against Dayton. They had a great team with the Paxson and the Giddings. And the year before, Johnny Davis. Uh, we beat them at our place the year before when Davis who was a Detroit kid. I used to tease Johnny. should have came to Detroit <laughs> teasing him. But, you know, he had a great coach and, and just just a great environment. And I'll never forget, we upset them or beat them on their floor. And I did a little dance <laughs> in court But it was not what you have today with cable and all the TV and outlets. I think that dance would have been all over the place had it happened. But great, passionate bands. And I felt that when I walked in that arena for the Davidson game. I mean, you can feel the love they've had for their program. And Anthony Grant has done a phenomenal job. He's a classy guy. And, you know, we talk about Topham, but you think about guys like certainly Crutcher and Chapman and Watson. I think those guys are really terrific as well. They're coming back. Uh, Those guys should have another good year.
3: You know, Dickie, 2020 has been a rough year all around, and it really hit the world of college basketball with the passing of Lou Olsen and big John Thompson. Can you share a couple of stories about those coaches?
5: Yeah. You know, not only you talk about uh, Lou Henson as well from Illinois, it's been a tough, tough year. My assistant coach went on to be a head coach at San Diego state and at Detroit to uh, smokey Gaines. Uh, you mentioned John Thompson, you know, I used to always call him the heavyweight champ, man. he put that towel around his neck and, he was a man very principled. He was a man that if uh, he believed in something. Years ago, there used to be a thing called Prop 48, and John was anti that, and so was I. And he kept telling me, keep pounding it on TV, because what it did, if a kid, I believe, I don't remember the number, if he didn't score like 750 on the SATs, he had to sit out, and he was called a Prop 48. Well, you, you label him a kid, and everybody in the school now knows he's under a certain score. Not fair. John was just Furious about that, because he believed in, had such a great relation with all his players. Uh, Lou Olson, Olson what he did in Arizona was an unbelievable. I, I called him one of the Frank Lloyd Wrights of coaching, an architect, a guy that built the program. When he came, they won three games, and ultimately it became one of the top teams in the program uh, in the nation, an elite program year in and year out. So, you know, those guys are going to be missed heavily and I've never forgotten, though, for what they've achieved.
2: We have ESPN's Dick Vitale with us here on the Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. And uh, we spent so much time talking NFL and college football. The base, you know, baseball's about to enter the playoffs. We've seen a little bit of chaos with the start to the college football season. A lot had to happen for a lot of these uh, you know, conferences to be able to get rolling. Dick, I'm curious your thoughts on what struggles, what roadblocks do you see ahead for the college basketball world? I know we have a start date now and it looks like things are you know, going to start on time. Do you anticipate many roadblocks in the way for college basketball the same way we saw for college well, you know, football? You
5: Justin, and Kev, you can't predict what's happening with this uh, pandemic. I mean, mm-hmm. Who knows Test positive, we'll be all committed to tests, obviously, because the health and the safety of everybody involved has to be the number one priority. But there's no way to predict it. It really isn't. I mean, you're going to see, like in college football you just mentioned, you're going to have games canceled uh, out of the blue, rescheduling here and there. Notre Dame can't play this weekend. Uh, my granddaughter is a freshman up there as plays tennis. But the bottom line is uh, you got to go week by week. Basketball is scheduled for November 25th. I'm hearing strong reports uh, from ESPN uh, in terms of talking about you know where I'm going to possibly go to the games if we're going to have games. There's a strong report that there'll be a bubble situation up in Orlando where eight tournaments that really uh, were being planned. When you think about uh, you know big time tournaments. Out there, the Jimmy V Classic, you think about that matchup, you think about the Champions Classic that features teams like Kentucky and Duke and Kansas and Michigan State. Supposedly, they're all going to be the bubble up in Orlando. So, uh, again, that's everybody's talking. We have to see what comes real. People are trying to scrap to get their schedules together, you know, other than conference games. It's it's going to be chaotic. There's no doubt about it. And I think you're going to along the way. Have we seen it in football? You're going to have some cancellations. When some kids test positive, et cetera, uh, it's just, it's unfortunate we have what we got. And and you know, a really unfortunate thing is we need more love in our nation. We don't have enough love, man, among all people. I grew up in a great family. My mom and dad were uneducated. My mother and father had a fifth-grade education. They had a doctorate of law. They told my brother, sister, and I all the time we would hear, treat people how you would like to be treated. And if we didn't bore that in this nation, if we all treated each other like we would want to be treated, we had love in our hearts and all this heat, my God, we'd have a better, better situation for everybody. And I'm just hoping and praying that we can get all this under control because really it's, it's sad in a way. It's been a tough, tough year.
3: Absolutely. You talk about social justice. You saw John Calipari, Coach K, really empowering their players in the offseason. What? Would you like to see from some of the college basketball players and coaches if we actually get this season underway?
5: Well, you know, I think number one, you mentioned social justice. The injustice that's been taking place for years—it's really sad, and it's about time we need some change out there. We need some change. The brutality can't keep going on that we keep witnessing on TV and all. And I think that you know, what we got to see in college basketball is the fact that let's have a healthy, healthy um, group of kids, coaches, and everybody. I mean, that's number one priority now. You know, basketball becomes almost the game itself secondary. But once you play and tip off, and the competition sets in, and as Justin said earlier, at least we got some competition versus the fact that, you know, we can't have fans in the building. And, and the, sad in a way, but the bottom line is at least we're getting some competition, real live sports.
2: What did you think about the ACC's proposal with Coach Sashevsky and others for every? College basketball team, D1 college basketball team to be uh, qualified for the NCAA tournament coming up. When you first initially heard that proposal, what were your initial thoughts?
5: You know, initially, I think the reason they got involved and in they got people talking, just like the fact you're asking me. I spoke on the phone with Coach K and, you know, he said, getting people at least to react, to talk about it. I'd like to reward people that are successful. I just, I can't see bringing in everybody. That's just that's my feeling all my life. I felt that way. All my life, I have felt that. The little guy gets stepped on because you hear to cry all the time. Is what do they play? What about schedule strength? What about, you know, it's very difficult to get schedule strength. You're a mid-major there fighting for survival. You don't get the big guys to play you. Uh, you go out, beat them, and they don't want to schedule you anymore. I had that happen when I was in Detroit. i never forget my first year as the coach there. Back in the 70s, it's a great team with Campanella Russell, of Michigan. We beat them. I couldn't get Michigan back on the schedule. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, and then you have to live with that. So, again, uh, uh, that becomes a factor. I, I have a problem, to be honest with you, with conferences that teams that are 7th and 8th in their conference and sometimes under 500. I mean, that's not even mediocre. And, and I think they deny a team that's 29 and maybe 5 somewhere doesn't get in because the argument is, well, look, look where those teams are rated that they play. You know what? To me, if you go to a big conference, that's your choice. And if you go to that conference, that's your choice. Well, you've got to be better than 500, man. If you can't do that, you should be rewarded.
3: Absolutely. I agree 100%. Speaking of the college basketball season, it's always about the diaper dandies. It's all about the freshmen. Uh, what freshmen are you looking forward to checking out this season?
5: Well, you know, obviously it's always going to be great. The kid down at Oklahoma State supposed to be really special. Kate Cunningham, uh, they tell me that he's off the charts. Kentucky as usual is gonna put up some great ones with Askew and named Boston and uh named Clark. They they you know, but that's usual for them. Uh, Duke's got their share and I can Caleb Love down there in North Carolina. Uh, it is great. That's the one thing that excites me a lot, Kim, about college basketball. I mean I'm eighty one years old, man, and I act about twelve. When I come into an <laughs> arena, like when I came to Dayton, those fans made me act like twelve years old. Cheerleaders give me a gift. They was it was just unbelievable. And that's what the game does to you, the spirit about the game. And we try to capture that in my book. And I really hope and pray that you guys can help promote the book because I'm trying to raise money for kids battling cancer. We just had my virtual gala. We had to do it virtually. We raised $7.4 million. If you can believe that, it's unbelievable. $7.4 million for the V Foundation, all for kids battling cancer. Thus far, my gala in the years that I've done this have raised 30 seven million dollars for kids and my book now. And it's not enough. Kids are dying. Kids are talking mm-hmm. to families. I get notes about kids' families calling me up about their children. Just did one this morning about a family. Mm-hmm. So the bottom line is we need more dollars for research. And my book's gonna provide some of that. Because every dollar that I would make every dollar is the sale of the book. I need a Dayton flyer fans to show they could be like the Duke fans, the Carolina fans, the Kentucky fans who jumped the board. I leave this interview. I'm going to sign books, orders that have come in from a lot of these areas. So come on, mate. go out, buy the book. Just go to dickbydell.com and I will autograph it to your desire. Justin, you're going to buy 10 and I'm going to put, Justin, you're awesome, baby, on the book. If that's <laughs> what you want, you fill out the little form when you go to dickbydell.com and every dollar I would make We'll go to the V Foundation for kids battling cancer. And there's a lot of pictures in there, by the way, of when I was there. So a lot of fans are going to see their pictures in the book. Uh, they, you got the book right there, Justin.
2: Yes, it's right. Literally, I have it open to Chapter 2, Dayton topping the charts right in front of me. I'm looking at those well, same pictures you're talking about.
5: The, the pictures, the, the many of those pictures i was saying. You have Topping coming over to the uh, broadcast, mm-hmm. shaking my hand there. you got the situation, me with the cheerleaders. <laughs> you
2: guys, thank you the, of the book. have Anthony Grant at the last one who doesn't show a lot of emotion, and you could just see the, the look of delight on his face uh, as they got that huge win that night. But we have ESPN's Dick Vitale, who was awesome enough to take time and hang out with us today. The lost season, a look at what the journey to the 2020 National Championship could have been, and all proceeds for this go to a fantastic cause. And I'll send you out with this, Dickie V., in this book, when you start talking in Chapter 2, when you start mentioning the Dayton Flyers, the Flyers were your part of your very first Final Four appearance, correct?
5: Yeah, they were. First time I ever went to a Final Four. Uh, May down there, first time I ever went in my life. Down to Louisville, they were down there. at had a great team. And a tremendous
2: team. All right. Dickie V, thank you so much, sir. We really appreciate your time and all the hard work you do, not just on the floor and for the players, but all the work you do off the floor uh, and your generosity when it comes to helping uh, come up with a cure for cancer. We thank you so much. It means a lot.
5: Hey, tell my man, I'm my best. I still love those breakfasts with him. He must be a cloud nine with those reds marching on.
2: Absolutely. He de- I've been doing this for about five or six years. It's the first time I get to have Hal on to talk about a winning Reds team. So I feel pretty good right now, too. So there you go.
5: I care, but go Rays, baby. Go Rays, go Lightning, and go Bucks. Tom Brady. What a time to be a fan in the Tampa area. Most of all, I need Dayton Flyers to go to com and get my new book, The Lost Season, and read about their Dayton Flyer.
6: I'm thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort in a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you.
4: Back to the famous
3: WING studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash.
2: Welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Can you believe that week three of the NFL season kicks off tonight? And yes, coming sir. Up here, uh, coming up here in about ten minutes, Kevin and I are going to give you our top five, bottom five. Top five teams. It's going to be Kevin Nash's list of his top five teams in the NFL and his list of the bottom five. And I'll do the same thing for my top five and bottom five. We'll get to that coming up here in ten minutes. So, there you go. It's all for a good cause as well. For sure, man. You know him talking about that the Dookie showed out.
3: Kentucky basketball showed out and bought a ton of copies. You know, UD wants to be up there with the big big dogs. Let's show, let's show Dickie V what Dayton's all about and go buy some books. And it all goes, goes to a great cause, you know. Nobody likes cancer. I think everybody's on the same page with that. Everybody hates cancer. Everybody hates seeing little kids deal with cancer. And the proceeds go to help kids diagnose with cancer.
2: Alright, so as we mentioned, we're going to transition into some NFL stuff here. Uh, Coming up, we'll get to our top five, bottom five of the NFL. Also, in hour number three, top of the five o'clock hour, Uh, we had Hall of Famer Dick Vitale on just about ten minutes ago. We'll have another Hall of Famer coming up at the top of the hour to talk about the Red Hot Reds. Uh, The Reds continue to hold their spot uh, down in the playoffs. They have three tough games coming up. One more series remaining here uh, when it comes uh, to punching their ticket into the postseason. And the drought, it's been a big drought. Now, with the win last night, they still moved back. Uh, mm-hmm. and they still moved back. So now they're holding on to the 8th spot in the playoffs. Uh, the Giants passed them. And again, it's going to be, I mean, when and this is what makes this fun. So if you look at the team, so the Cardinals are sitting in the 5th spot, which by the way, the Reds and Cardinals are, are tied for that spot right there, but they edge out the Reds like by .09 as far as win percentage is concerned. Really annoying uh, as far as how they're handling that. But uh, the Cardinals better get all 60 games in. Otherwise, I will be very frustrated if that determines the Reds whether they're in or out of the playoffs or whether the Reds are playing, the Dodgers are playing, you know, uh, San Diego potentially in the first uh, round of the playoffs, but the Reds are, you know, 29 and 28, but look at this, so the Cardinals have the fifth spot at 27 and 26, the Marlins are 28 and 28, the Giants are 28 and 27, the Reds are 29 and 28, Philly is 28 and 29 just on the outside looking in, this is why that series with, or with Milwaukee was so important, Milwaukee's 27 and 28 and they are... It, it, they have a path to get in, but it looks very unlikely at the point. Had the Reds dropped two or three to the brewers, we wouldn't be ta- we wouldn't be excited about the playoffs right now right That series was that's why I was saying like the playoffs technically don't start till like October second I believe uh, but right now. The playoffs are well underway. Technically, September uh, 29th. ninth. So, it's still, regardless, you see my point again. Just over a week away, as far as that is concerned. Three big matchups with the Twins coming up, and we could be carrying Reds baseball, Reds playoff baseball uh, here for the first within time a in, a long, in a long yeah, time. in a long time. Absolutely, but twenty. So, I, I brought that up because from the five seed all the way down to two teams on the outside looking in, everyone's within a game, a game and a half. This is fun. And, and, again, I wish we saw more of this. Now, I can't tell if this is because of the six. I don't know what to accredit most of this to. Is this is this accredited more to the fact that it's a 60-game season and no team has had time to really separate themselves? Or is this a the expanded playoffs and now there's more teams in the mix? I don't want to say it's because of more teams in the mix because of the playoffs, because even if they were just fighting for six teams on each side to get in or five on each side, everyone's still within a game, a game and a half, of fighting for one. What makes this a little bit more entertaining is the fact that you have about six teams fighting for three spots, and that's really... I mean, good teams are going to be just on the outside looking in. The American League, looking at that picture, it's not as pretty. I mean, look, the right now, Toronto has the eighth spot, and they're not really... I mean, everyone's in in the American League right now. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of seating. The Angels, again, no playoffs. <laughs> nope. I mean, like, imagine... And again, this is how he has been labeled. So, imagine LeBron, nine years into his career, no playoffs. I mean, LeBron got pissed and bolted because he couldn't win a championship after seven. And Mike Trout has been to one playoff appearance in nine years or however long he's been. Like, that's that's, – I'm at a loss for words. Baseball is so different, though. No, but not like that. Like, you can't even – in L.A., when you have Pujols and you have Otani and you, like, you went out and got all these guys – I have a I think problem it's on, with that. On, on on players. Oh no, no I'm not blaming the player. My bad. I'm okay. not blaming the player. This is the organization. Okay.
3: Oh yeah, well, then we're done. <laughs> we're, done. <laughs> we're on the same page. Damn, I, I'm trying I, so just, hard. I just don't like you were saying like the players can only do so much. He's batting great, playing great in outfield, but it's definitely only sport that you only look at what you do. You're allotted for the things that you do, not yep. necessarily what your team does. You know, eventually guys get sick of losing and want to be on a winning organization like when um, A-Rod took that big money and went to the Rangers. And then he just got sick of it because he came from a winning culture in Seattle when they were winning games. Even before that, even as a kid. Yeah. High school. I
2: mean, he won. I mean,
3: yeah. You don't see that. You don't see that a lot in in baseball. And that's why, you know, I was talking to my, my dad and he's talking about frankie lindor leaving and him going to get the big check yada 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 and he's all upset i'm like but that's how it goes in baseball like it's not really all about winning just win while you can and i gotta go get paid it's not like guys go to the
2: winning organization they go to the highest bidder yeah and, and with that to your point like so lindor if he picks a team, like let's say the Pirates are willing to give him that money, which I mean, the Pirates aren't even in the hunt, but the Pirates aren't a good team. They pay him that money though, so he gets paid. Mm-hmm. But he feels like they're on the up and up, and they just keep losing and losing and losing. It's okay, but you wanted your money, right? So like the A. Rod thing, and he had had enough and ultimately pushed his way out. Or do you take less money to go to maybe a mid range team that you could potentially win with, like the Reds or I, I don't even think the Reds. I think the Yankee, the Yankees makes a lot of sense. The Red Sox, the Red Sox aren't going to keep going down this path of mediocrity or being below mediocre right. at this point they just dumped a lot of money and i think you know they're trying oh, yeah. to see what they have in their system they made a lot of trades to replenish that system the farm system i think you'll see them go maybe one maybe two more years to kind of feel out what they have and then look for them to spend big he makes sense for that like he's he needs to go to an organization that could pay him and he can expect to win even if he can get paid at an organization like if the pirates can offer you more I still think that you go to the Red Sox, because let's be clear, we're talking maybe two to three million less per year, I should say, which I guess that does add up over time. But I'm just saying, like the incentives, when you could be better, like, so if a lot of your contract is incentive-based. You still need to depend on who's hitting in front and in back view. you. Who's right. going to give you the better opportunity to, look when you look at the incentive dollars, which team is going to give you the best chance to maybe reach those incentive goals that is going to ultimately add more money to your deal as far as that's concerned. I think so. Lindor
3: ultimately ends up with the Yankees because, like you said, they don't. we really don't know what is in the minor leagues for the Red Sox. But you trust the fact that, like, all right, man, the Yankees got to have some guys. And that's what Indians are always going to be doing. They're always going to have guys like a Lindor, like a CeCe Sabathia. And they're going to run their contract through. And when it comes up arbitration, they're going to trade them. And then they're going to juice them for every dime they got. <laughs> every every minor league guy that you possibly heard of and never heard of. And hopefully one or two of them pan out. And that's just how it goes when you're a quote-unquote small market team. That's like always been the Indians' profile, you know, outside of the 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 '90s when they made their run to the World Series. You know, they were paying Albert Bell a lot of money. They were paying Kenny Lofton a lot of money. But then ultimately, after that team broke up, they were on a downward spiral. And then they went back up with CC. And then once the CC era was over, they were back down again. And now they're up again. So. That's why I always stress to people like, you know, you know, if we look at teams like the Lakers and how many championships they got. They're possibly on the verge of winning another championship and the Patriots. And they won so many championships like getting to the championship is hard and winning one is even harder. So when you're a team that doesn't go all the time like <laughs> the Cleveland Indians or you're a team like the Reds that haven't been to the playoffs in seven years and you're on the verge of making the playoffs. It's, it's to be celebrated. It's to to be put a smile on the, the fans' faces. But more importantly, it's up to the players to take full advantage of it. You know, we talk about what's going on inside the NBA bubble, and we talk about Joker and Jamal Murray uh, taking advantage of everything that's going on inside the bubble because we don't know what's going to happen next year. We don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know what how the team's gonna play out next year, but all they have is this moment and like you were talking about earlier, all this stuff is like coach speak. You know, we don't know what's gonna happen next year. This team only has a shelf life for this season. All that coach stuff ultimately is true because a team is not gonna come back hundred percent intact the way it was the year before. Yeah, they have the core parts there, but this team has a one year shelf life. So it's up to teams to maximize their potential and maximize their opportunity. And people talk about, oh, man, the Reds are only getting into the playoffs because they've expanded.
2: So what? Which by the that That's not true. Well, technically, they're in that last spot now. As of yesterday, that wasn't true. Right. Today It's bouncing all over. And <laughs> it's going to bounce up and down. Yeah. But it
3: don't matter. Yeah. Because guess what? Somebody's going to be the World Series champion. Might as well be
2: us. Yeah. <laughs> It's just good driving. I mean, look, it was been what thirty something years, thirty one years or whatever, thirty years actually since the Reds last won a World Series, and you go in those gaps. My thing is, I'm gonna be really angry if all of a sudden they win a World Series and then they go in another thirty years without one. And the last time they won a World Series, we couldn't even be there to watch it. I'm like, I'm so bitter right now. Like, let me be clear. I can't believe I'm saying this. Part of me was like, I don't want them to have success right now because we can't be (laughs) there to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Was, so, what, like, if I had to pick, okay, uh, no, that ain't true. I don't know. I just go ahead. Go I'm ahead. I'm just worried that this isn't a playoff team long term. I don't look at this team as be like the reason is, is like, so for instance, when Cincinnati clicks for the Bengals, mm-hmm. like, and I think it could be next year if they get the right pieces, mainly that offensive damn line, and maybe someone who actually has played defense before on the, the other side of the ball. I do believe that they're close because once you have your quarterback, everything else is, it's a lot easier to put mm-hmm. things in place. You know, I think when you try to build around uh, a quarterback that you don't have, it's difficult because, you know, you go out and get all these weapons, but you don't even know how those weapons work with your quarterback. Get your quarterback, you work from the inside out, as far as I'm concerned with that. But I think, like, for instance, the Bengals, when they finally get to that point where they're a playoff team, you're going to feel excited because it's like for instance, when the Browns went from 0-16 to winning seven games the mm-hmm. next year, you felt... Man, they improved seven games this year. They're only going to get better the next year. Now, it didn't work out that way. But, like, they're way better off now than what they were three years ago. And it feels strange because they underachieved last year. But, like, look, the natural progression process is you're really, really bad. Things start to click, and you get better and better and better. That's what... Is normal. Like when the Bengals finally turn that corner, you're going to feel like okay they're good this year. But imagine what they'll be next year and the year after that. You just keep adding to it. With the Reds, I feel like they're going to make the playoffs. I'm just concerned that this isn't a playoff team next year or the year after that. That's my concern. it uh, that didn't take long. The Browns aren't better off. They have Baker. <laughs> that's a lot of that's strong talk from a guy's team who's going to go nine and seven and be bolted in the first round. They already two and zero. Oh. That's fine. I'm just saying, you know, that's how it starts. To build on wins, man.
3: Steelers on their way to their 10 wins. Only mm-hmm. eight more to go, baby. Again, but, like,
2: you're winning for nothing because you're just going to get eight. bolted oh, by the goodness. Steelers. No, I'm, no I'm, <laughs> You're going to see my top five coming up. Uh-oh. You'll see. Uh-oh. Uh, Charlie says heard that before. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. All right, folks. When we come back, speaking of NFL, let's talk a little NFL. And by the way, we'll talk more Reds coming up in 20 minutes. Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. He'll join us at five o'clock. But when we come back, Kevin Nash, Justin Kenner will bring you our top five, bottom five in the NFL. Our top five teams, our bottom teams. That's all coming up next. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>
3: Today, being there for one another is more important than ever. At Kettering Health Network, our caregivers are dedicated to helping you stay safe and well. We're open and ready to care for you. From treating emergencies to regular... The biggest local and national guests sit down for the biggest interviews with...
2: you back, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash, with you here on a Thursday in sports medicine, and our matchup will feature Fairmont at Wayne, uh, and we're excited for that. Look, we got the chance to do a Wayne game a few weeks ago, and Wayne looks really, really good. The G Walk is just so many talented quarterbacks in that uh, in, in that conference. I can't wait again to watch Wayne and Fairmont uh, to call Wayne and Fairmont tomorrow night. College Football Hall of Famer Keith Byers and myself will have the call, and then just like that, Kev. After that. We're heading into the final week of the season. It's just kind of strange. And everybody makes the playoffs this year, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, and I get why they did it for high school. You know, earlier we had Dick Vitale on, and we were talking about the uh, the ACC's proposal where everyone gets in the NCAA tournament. And I was like, I, I I'm surprised, Dickie V said he disagreed with it because a lot of analysts have been very like adamant that oh, that would have been what's fair. I don't think that I don't think that would have been what's fair because no, if, like, hear me out. If you're going to be playing regular season games, you have a chance to build a resume. Now, some might have more difficulties in scheduling games than others, but as we talked about earlier in the week, which is where I'll leave it, sometimes the difficulties that exist in scheduling are self-inflicted. Sometimes the biggest roadblock in scheduling in college basketball is the egos of those involved, and people might listen to that and say, that's taking a shot. It's not a shot at one particular school. It's a shot at every school. Every school is worried about the perception of how they might look or what they might look like in a situation where they welcome in a team that that, that loses, or heaven forbid, they lose on the road. Or you, lo- you know. So I I get it, um, but right now you got to take your foot off the ego pedal and uh, kind of fill up the games. Like, you got to get games in, and I think teams are fine. I think UD is fine from what I'm hearing about some of the things they're lining up. I think they'll be fine. Um, but again, working really, really, you got to work smarter, not harder. And when you choose to work harder instead of smarter, sometimes it shows. Especially (laughs) in today's climate. Especially in today's climate. Uh, But, all right, tonight, uh, again, the Jaguars and the Dolphins, week three of the NFL season kicks off. And we're going to do what we like to call our, well, top five, bottom five. Our top five teams in the National Football League. Our bottom five teams in the National Football League. And we will start with you, Kev. All right, man. Start with the top. Top, take it from the top. Top Your top five teams
3: in the top NFL. Top five teams in the NFL. Number five, the Tennessee Titans. Hear that, Schrody? <laughs> top five team in the NFL. Um, that power running game and the play action passes, man. The play action passes and going deep. It's basically old school football. It reminds me of stuff that we watched in the 90s. You know, it's ground and pound, take a shot downfield. Shrody said, let's go. <laughs> Like that short passing game that a lot of teams use, they don't use. It's the deep shot. and If it's not taking it deep, they're using that powerful running back. And, you know, the defense is still solid, so they're my number five team. Number four for me, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers. Call it mad Aaron Rodgers. Call it Aaron Rodgers that got some rest. Call it whatever you want. He's out here balling, reminding people why he's one of the best quarterbacks ever to play. The game of football, power running game uh, with Aaron and drawing a blank on his Aaron last Jones. Aaron Jones. Yes, he was balling last week. I think he went for a hundred rushing and a hundred receiving as well. So they got the running game now. My guy coming in at number three, Russell Wilson from the Seahawks, had a duel with cam newton on sunday night great game through five touchdown passes he's out there making plays inside the pocket outside the pocket he's a i'm gonna say it he's a winner <laughs> he's everything tim tebow wish he could have been in the nfl
2: and ryan tanhill
3: <laughs> number two the mvp of the league the baltimore Ravens coming in at number two Lamar Jackson, that power running game. A lot of these teams have power running games. In. I know it's a passing league, but that power running game sets up their passing. Uh, Lamar has excelled as a passer in the regular season uh, using the tight ends, using the running backs in the running uh, passing game a lot more this year. He's balling. Defense, obviously, with Baltimore Ravens, what they're known for is lights out, one of the best in the league. And number one, the champs. I'm going to just leave it at that. They're the champs. They got Browns? the Browns. <laughs> no, Patty Mahomes, best quarterback in the league, throwing sidearm passes, no look passes, coming back on teams when it was like fourteen nothing all the way into the third quarter. Is they're the champs. That over route, you know. I was talking to a buddy of mine, uh, PK Sam, who played for the uh, Patriots with Tom Brady, and I asked him like, why? Why can't people stop that over route that Tyreek Hill runs? Is like. The short answer is, he's just faster than everybody else. <laughs> like, I could go longer, but the short answer, he's just faster than everybody else, and you can't cover it if you get too much time. So, the champs are number one in my book.
2: All right, that was Kev Dash's top five in the NFL. The bottom five coming up, we'll get to my top five. One more time, let's recap Kev Dash's top five in order. Kev Nash, number one, the Kansas City Chiefs, the best team in the NFL. Number two, the Baltimore Ravens, Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, many believe already being named the MVP two games into the season. We'll see as the season goes on uh, if he can keep it up, which, of course, we know he can. He's done it in years past, uh, but that's not where the question marks come into play with him. But Seattle looks really good here in the early going. And the Green Bay Packers coming in at number four on Kev Nash's uh, top five NFL list right now after two weeks. The week three kicks off later tonight. The Packers at number four and number five, the Tennessee Titans. Titans. All right, let's take a look at my top five. Justin Kenner's top five, very similar to Kev's, except you might even like mine a little bit too because it shows a little love to your Steelers. Oh, all right. The number one team again. One, two, and three were the same on. All right, okay. the Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks. I don't think you can. I don't think anyone out there can argue against the, these being the three top teams in the National Football League. Kansas City coming in at number one in my top five list. Baltimore number two. Lamar Jackson, reigning MVP, arguably the best defense in the National Football League. I mean, Baltimore is brutal. Uh, when it comes... I mean, that defense. And I don't mean brutal in a bad way. I just mean <laughs> it's brutal that any team that has to go up against them. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens coming at number two. Seattle Seahawks at number three. Again, you have a quarterback that's right now on his way to potentially winning his first MVP. He's never even received a vote. Yeah. That's pretty... That, that's I'll say even that's strange because I think he's that good that he's MVP caliber. It's just whether or not I think the pieces around him are good enough to win another Super Bowl or get back. That's up for debate still, in my opinion. Number that's 4
3: flip-flopped. It was, who? used to be a a strong defensive team now they put everything into their offense I mean outside of um, making plays that very last play that goal line stand they didn't stop the
2: Patriots no, and that's ultimately what came into that game which is pretty funny is how that, that was highlighted and then uh, coming in at number 4 for me Pittsburgh Steelers coming in at number four. And I say this because I think right now what we're seeing in the league is that everyone is explosive offensively. And I don't think it's because you're explosive offensively. I think it's because defenses are really bad right now. Mm -hmm. And I think defenses are going to continue to get better. But the thing is, is while everyone else started really bad and will continue to get better, Pittsburgh looks as dominant as Seattle and Baltimore's defense. And they've been looking like that since week one. And I think that Big Ben's only going to continue to get better if he could stay healthy, get some new weapons in that offense. I think they're just getting some continuity established there. And then at number five, I have the Green Bay Packers as well. How about this? We were all, everyone was writing off the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I think it started with the, t- the chatter after the Packers went out and got Jordan Love in the draft. Uh, right away, already planning their replacements. Maybe they saw something in Aaron Rodgers, which, by the way, they do. They look at his, his driver's license and his age, his, <laughs> his date of birth, says, hey, he's getting, getting kind of up there. That wasn't a sign that they don't believe he's good enough to win with now. That's a sign of, hey, if we have a chance to get a you know a potential replacement for him and he's falling in our lap, we got to get him. The Packers are really good. They were a game away from a Super Bowl last year. Like, people forget about that. They bring everyone back this year. That defense was one of the top defenses in the NFL last year, and they're still really good this year. So, you know, three of my top five, or I'm sorry, four of my top five teams are the four best defenses right now, in my opinion. Uh, Titans are right up there, too. I don't mind. You could flip-flop. Pittsburgh and and the Titans. I think that, you know, but I'm giving Pittsburgh the benefit for the doubt 2-0 to start the season, Uh, but I think Pittsburgh and Tennessee remind me of one another. I'll give the edge to Pittsburgh because of quarterback play, Um, but again, don't forget about the explosiveness of the offense for the Titans. In a couple minutes, Hall of Famer Hal McCoy is going to join us. We'll close out our list. Let's go to the Kev Nash's bottom five uh, list here in the NFL. Here are his five worst teams in the NFL, the Kev Nash list. Start from worst, number 32, down to 28. Uh,
3: The worst team, as you listened to the show yesterday, in my humble opinion, is the New York Jets. They are a dumpster fire. And I'm not going to leave a lot of time on these terrible teams in our league that we love so much. But the Jets are the worst. Second worst are another New York team, the Giants. No Saquon. uh, Danny Dimes is out here looking like Eli the bad years <laughs> very early in his career not looking so good um, a surprising pick for me um, is the Vikings they look terrible without Stefan Diggs I don't know I mean I like Stephon Diggs Stephon Diggs is a very good football player but I didn't think he would mean this much to the team and then I realized who their quarterback was Kirk Cousins one of the most overrated quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life and his agent's
2: the real MVP
3: yes He was terrible both weeks. Now, they can turn it around, but currently I have them in my bottom five. Um, Then the Carolina Panthers, which should put a smile on your face because I'm a big Teddy Two Gloves fan. And uh, without Sean Payton calling the plays, without Michael Thomas, he's looking terrible. He's looking terrible. And now McCaffrey's out for an extended period of time with that high ankle sprain, so they're probably going to be losing a lot more games. And the Lions. The Lions, Matt Patricia, he's a joke. He's out here running man-to-man coverage in the fourth quarter against uh, Mitchell Trubisky. They come back and win with the uh, Bears, and then you try to do the same thing with Aaron Rodgers, and he dices you up. Not only are you running man-to-man coverage in the fourth quarter, but you run running man-to-man coverage with practice squad players because in that first game, Okuda didn't play in the first game because he was hurt. Your other starting cornerback got hurt, so you're down to practice squad players. You never play man to man coverage with practice squad guys. I could dice that up. He's a dummy, he's terrible. The Lions are terrible. So are the Jets, so are the Giants, so are the Panthers. And Vikings, y'all can make a turn.
2: Hopefully. I was a friend. I was surprised you put the Vikings. I didn't put them in mine mainly because I'm still going to give them another week or two before I put them in there. But they they've trash. But I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give them the benefit for the doubt just because of how good they've been right. the last couple seasons. We all know how important and uh, we all know how important star wide receivers are. They lose digs but we've also seen teams lose big-time big, big time wide receivers and still keep moving. So well, they're not even throwing other, you know, the ball to so Thielen. Yeah. They just and pay him on every given yeah He's on my fantasy team. <laughs> trust me. I know this. All right, let's take a look at Kevin Nash's top five one more time. The Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks, Packers, and Titans are his top five teams in, in uh, Kev Nash's uh, power rankings here. His bottom five teams, worst uh, to the best, I guess, of the bottom five. <laughs> I don't know how you want to word that, but the Jets, Giants, Panthers, or uh, Jets, Giants, Vikings, Panthers, and Lions uh, are his top bottom 5. Alright, it's our top 5 bottom 5. We all took a look at my top 5. My top 5 feature the Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks. Very same uh, first 3 as Kev. Steelers I have coming in at number 4 mainly because of that defense and I really trust the quarterback with how Big Ben's looked after the first couple weeks. It pains me, but I have the Steelers right up there at the top. Great coach, veteran leadership, quarterback plays more stable than it was a year ago the pittsburgh steelers won eight games last year just missed the playoffs with two of the biggest jokes at quarterbacks leading the way imagine with that same defense with the same average uh, to you know a little below above average wide receivers and skilled players with a talented quarterback in big ben i think the steelers are right up there wouldn't surprise me uh you-
6: live here on espn dayton
2: everybody, we welcome you back. Justin Kinner, Kev Nash with you here on Dayton's ESPN radio station. We are Dayton's home of the Cincinnati Reds. And for the first time in a long time, we could potentially be talking about Reds baseball in the playoffs right here on 1410 ESPN radio starting next week. But uh, regardless of when the playoffs start, it already feels like the playoffs for your Reds as they, of course, are off today. But they will be beginning a three-game series with, uh, heading into the weekend with the Twins, I'm sorry, to close out the weekend. And that, to me, is a playoff series. The Reds have been in playoff mode for the last 10 games, and for whatever reason, it took 50 games to get them going, but they're off and rolling, and they're playing their best baseball with still some you know weaknesses here and there, but they're playing good enough baseball to put themselves in the hunt, and joining us now to talk about your Cincinnati Reds, we have the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy joining us. Hal, it's been a while. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Justin? Good. I appreciate you taking time and hanging out with us. And I was joking throughout the show that uh, I've interviewed you many, many times. And, of course, we always talk Reds. And uh, in the years that I've interviewed you talking Reds, we've never talked about a Reds team that's above 500 this late in the season. That didn't seem like it was possible even about a week and a half, two weeks ago. What, in your opinion, has all of a sudden shifted with this team? Is it David Bell? Is it, is it the pitching? Is it, what is it, if you could put your finger on it?
0: Well, they've
6: had the pitching most of the year, and uh, it has really stepped up uh, in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, you uh, saw what Trevor Bauer did last night. He was a man on a mission. And uh, Luis Castillo uh, was uh, 0-5, and he's won his his last four or five games and is looking uh, unhittable. So I think mostly it's the starting pitching stepping up because the Reds are still relying on the home run, and that works very well. In Great American ballpark, but uh, we'll see uh, if they make the playoff how uh, that transitions to the postseason.
2: So with that, with the the way they've been playing, I mean, you kind of alluded to it, too, again, just relying on the home run ball. Uh, But they head into this series with the Twins, and there's so many different, you know, seating scenarios, playoff scenarios heading in. Uh, I mean, what's your main concern for this series with the Twins coming up, and do you see a scenario where we're not talking about this team in the postseason after these three games?
6: could very well happen you know the twins want to win the american league central so they have something to play for too and uh that's the tough part they are a very good team they are playing at home uh it would not surprise me to see them uh, sweep the reds and it would not surprise me to see the reds sweep them because uh, the reds are also a team on a mission and in these last two weeks you've seen a different team as far as uh, attitude and uh, sense of urgency and uh having fun playing the game and uh, doing what it takes to win. So uh, every game is a playoff game from now on, and uh, it should be a lot of fun, and who knows how it's going to turn out. It's going to come down probably to the last day of the season.
2: We have Hall of Famer Hal McCoy with us here talking Cincinnati Reds again off tonight. They got a huge win last night. They swept the Pirates. They took two or three from the White Sox, two or three from the Brewers off tonight and hoping to close out the season on a high note, uh, taking a few from the uh, from the Twins and hopefully punching their ticket into the postseason. Uh, Hal, we all know just how different the season has been because of the coronavirus. And it's, you know, again, we're just grateful to even have baseball right now at the moment. But last night, I mean, just you've seen so many big games at Great American Ballpark or home games for Cincinnati regardless of the ballpark, how wild would a great American ballpark been last night had that been a sold-out GABP?
6: It would have been total insanity. I mean, (laughs) Reds fans are so hungry for a winner and so hungry to play meaningful games uh, in this part of the season that, uh, you know, uh, Cincinnati fans are great baseball fans and they've had absolutely nothing to cheer about for the last five years. And uh, like I said, it would have been total insanity in that ballpark
2: how they win this weekend they you know they'll, they'll be a playoff team here in 2020 but are they in your eyes a playoff team moving forward are there still too many deficiencies for reds fans to invest into this being a long-term thing or is this just something just to enjoy for this year and, and see how the off-season unfolds
6: yeah i think you better enjoy this uh truncated season uh had it not been uh uh the way it is this year the reds would not be in the playoffs and uh People would wonder what's going to happen. Uh, you don't know if Trevor Bauer is going to come back. You don't know if uh, Nick Castellanos is going to uh, uh, opt out. Uh, There's just going to be a whole bunch of uh, questions about next year. And so even though this is a uh, shortened and truncated and different season, uh, the fans better enjoy it.
2: People get annoyed with me because of how critical I am of David Bell, and I know that's the easy thing to do when a team's not winning. You blame the manager, you blame the coach, you blame whoever's in charge. Um, but uh, again, we know that with his, you know, father being in the front office, I'm not calling for anyone's job at this point. I mean, it's been two seasons, and they've played their best, they've responded well down the stretch, and are on the verge of potentially punching their ticket to the postseason. Uh, but is how much of a concern has, the, you know, has the team's performance been under David Bell, and has this last ten game stretch really kind of eased some of those conversations?
6: well it probably has eased it a little bit but uh, uh david is so uh monosyllabic and you know you don't know whether he's excited or not uh and i don't know if that uh, uh goes over to the players uh, or not whether uh you know his low-key attitude has failed to uh uh make this team more exciting and, and make them uh uh no more excited about what's going on but uh Yeah, these last few games has probably quieted things. Uh, I have noticed uh, less and less uh, demand for his head. But, uh, you know, we shall see. It's uh, like when they had Dusty Baker. Everybody was for him until the playoffs. And then everybody said he can't win in the playoffs. And they wanted his head. And You know, be careful what you ask for because uh, the team hasn't been very very good since he left. But uh, David Bell makes some curious uh, decisions. Uh, uh, I don't know how much... uh, uh, know, is a leadoff hitter. The mm-hmm. left-handed pitchers. I mean, he's not a leadoff guy in my estimation, but uh, so far what he's doing the last couple of weeks is working uh, uh, thanks to the solid pitching.
2: Now, like when we say that, so for instance, like when he makes a lot of those questionable the, the decisions, I've noticed that a lot of the question questionable decisions are based on more of an old school view of thinking. And I'm not accusing you of that. I have that as well. So with that being said, is he making questionable calls, like in today's baseball? Because, I, I mean, I get ripped on Twitter if I even question David Bell's decision-making at all because you have a certain pocket of fans that say they know more about baseball than than anyone that criticizes David Bell's decision-making. So I'm curious, is he making the right calls in the eyes of the front office, in your opinion? Because we may think he's making questionable decisions, but is he making the decisions that fit what the front office is wanting out of the advanced analytics era?
6: I'm sure that has a big, big part of it uh the front office is stuffed with uh, analytical people and they're playing the analytical game and uh, i'm sure he's doing uh, uh, what the computer says should be done uh, i just uh, sometimes it baffles me that uh, a left-hander will start a game for the other team and about the fifth or sixth inning they bring a right-hander in and he immediately puts in uh, all of his left-handed hitters so then mm-hmm. the team brings a left-hander back in late in the game uh, he has nobody left to uh, Face a left hander. So that's just something that uh, I have noticed, but uh, I'm sure that that's what the front office wants him to do, and he wants to keep his job, so he's going to manage the way they want
2: him to manage. And that's why I wanted to ask that, because again, we assume he's not, you know, he's making questionable decisions, but if he's doing it by the book, and I remember, you know, Schlemmer and I used to talk about that all the time, we could be critical all we want, but if at the end of the day he's doing what the front office is telling him to do and calling it by the book, you know he could defend himself that way. It's going to be interesting. Bottom line is they're winning, and it feels good to talk about a team that's in position right now to be playing in October, which has been quite a long time since that has happened. But let's fast forward through October, how whether they're in the postseason or not. You mentioned Trevor Bauer earlier. Um, I have not been high on on the Reds making him a priority moving forward, but with how good he has been, and just the, not just the the talent uh, perspective, but the the vocal leader. Like I think he just has a certain edge about him that sometimes rubs me the wrong way, but I know in the in the locker room or in the clubhouse, and dugout that. That can bode well for a team that you talked about, a manager earlier, that doesn't provide that energy. How much of a priority do you believe the Reds are going to make re-signing him in the offseason? Regardless of whether you think he will want to be here, how much of a priority will the Reds make him in wanting him to be here?
6: Yeah, That's tough to discern since uh, we don't have much access to uh, yeah. the players in the front office these days. But uh, I think they would make it a little bit of a priority. Unlike you, I'm not. I don't think they should break the bank to sign this guy. Uh, I know he has said that he will only sign one-year contracts, but uh, recently he came out and said if the right offer came along, uh, he would sign a multi-year deal for the right money. But I don't think the Reds can afford to uh, make what he would probably command. So uh, I don't think it's that great of an issue for them to uh, bring him back. Plus, uh, we saw what he did when they brought him here last year. So, you know, which Trevor Brower is going to be Around for the next
2: two or three years. All right, the Hall of Famer, Hal McCoy, good enough to take time and talk a little Cincinnati Reds baseball with us, a big series with the Twins coming up this weekend. Hal, I'll send you out with this. You've done this for a few years. I think you've done it for like a year or two, if I'm not mistaken. No, you've covered this team for many, many decades. Um, and this has been a very difficult season, not just for the players and managers and front office and personnel to adapt to, but, um, you know, sports media, just fans. I mean, everyone has had a hard time adapting to just how different this season has looked how i don't want to say how respected is this postseason going to be but what's your gut telling you on how this is going to be perceived i mean you have bubble sites i think baseball didn't want they wanted to take out as much of the risk as possible of having teams you know miss weeks at a time due to the virus what's this postseason going to look like to you and what's your gut telling you on how you're going to feel about it
6: yeah it's totally different i mean the whole 2020 is totally different for the entire world and uh, baseball is no different so it is going to be different uh... but as far as uh... You know the postseason. Most people watch it on TV anyway. Uh, the only thing that's going to uh, be different is you know no fans in the stands. Uh, have we gotten used to that? Well, uh, I haven't. It still seems kind of bizarre to watch a ball game and see all those empty seats. And I'm sure it carries over to the ball players some too. Uh, I know the Reds players you know keep saying they would love to have fans in the stands cheering them on, and and uh, how raucous it would have been uh, last night with what. Uh, the team did so totally different atmosphere and a a totally different game going on right now
2: all right hal thank you so much for taking time and hanging out with us browns in washington this weekend who you got i got the
6: browns of course all the way
2: there we go there we go that's all i needed to hear hal thank you so much you take care
6: thanks Justin. you too thanks for having me on buddy
2: anytime all right, there he is, the Hall of Famer, Hal McCoy. Always appreciate catching up with him. All right, that wraps up the first part of our number three. We still got plenty more to get into. We talked about the Browns in Washington coming up this weekend. Hal McCoy just gave his pick. We should have him be the celebrity picker for this week. We are, are going doing? to be doing the celebrity guest pickers for the upcoming Buckeye season. So excited about that, college football. I wanted to do it for all the college football, but seeing as some start here, some start there, is what way needs. too much work. All right, our <laughs> NFL Pick'em segment coming up next. Don't go anywhere.
1: A Cowboys fan, but really Justin Kenner, you're a Cowboys fan and a Browns
4: fan. Good Lord have mercy, I don't know what the hell to do with y'all. I really don't. Back to the Justin
3: Kenner Show with Kev Nash on 1410 ESPN Radio. All
2: right, everybody, welcome back, Justin Kinner, Kev Nash, with you here on ESPN Dayton. Quite a jam-packed show today. We had two guests. We started the, the guest list with, of course, uh, Dick Vitale. We talked to a lot of Dayton Flyers. We talked about his brand new book, "The Lost Season: A Look at What the Journey to the 2020 National Championship Could Have Been." And we have it right here in studio. And of course, uh, when you go to DickVitale.com and you order a copy of this, of the you know any you know the pirate or not the pirates. I'm sorry, the Giants. You can't control what they're doing. You can't control what the you can control what you're doing though. Yes. And that's what the Reds have basically focused on this last week and a half, two weeks. taking four from the Pirates, two or three from the White Sox, taking three of uh, two or three from the Brewers, off day to day, and hopefully they could pick up uh, where they left off with the momentum. This definitely feels weird. This is why I had asked, like a lot of times too, when you finally turn that corner and you become a playoff team, it's like, okay, finally we're rolling. I, I don't know if long term, if this is a playoff team long term, and by long term I mean like even the next two to three years. You know, it could be they make the playoffs this year and they kind of disappear for a little bit. I'm trying to think of other teams that have been like that, where you taste playoffs a little bit and then you kind of disappear again for a little bit. I don't think that's what the is gonna. It's not a guarantee that that that's what ends up happening with the Reds, but I mean, a lot has to happen this off season. They worked so hard last off season to add players. They have to repeat that off season this year, but not with adding, but with keeping. I mean, I think. But even if you keep these guys, how good is this team in a 162 game season? A lot of people on on Twitter that are critical of the Reds. It's that, you know, home run or nothing game. Mm-hmm. And but Hal made a great point. Great American Ballpark is a hitter's ballpark. Right. That I mean, but you're not playing. There's, you've played your last games at GABP in 2020. Bubble time. So that's where it's going to get interesting as far. As that is concerned. All right. Uh, again, go check out both interviews. Dick Vitale talking college basketball on Dayton Flyers hoops. And then, of course, Reds baseball. We talked plenty of that with the Hall of Famer Hal McCoy. Reds off today, as I mentioned. All right. Let's talk a little NFL. We, t- uh, we gave you our top five, bottom five earlier, which, by the way, you didn't have time to respond to my to, to my list. Were, did you, were you accepting, yeah, accepting yeah. of I mean, my list? We were
3: all on the same page outside of the Bengals and Vikings pick. And the only reason I put the Vikings on there is because Kirk Cousins is trash. Uh,
2: I didn't put the Vikings there, and I agree. So mine was a little I think he's above average. Would you either have him or Stafford? Stafford. That's painful for you to say. I'm surprised you said that. Stafford has done a lot more than he has, in my opinion. I think both are the same. Mm. I think both are the same. Mm. But I agree with you that Stafford is better. But I think both are pretty much the same, where you watch him and they're – like my fear is that Baker Mayfield is going to be this. He's going to be that Stafford, that he's going to be uh, the Cousins, where he's going to start to get his numbers up, he's going to start to get – but he's just not going to be a consistent enough winner. And I don't know if that's Browns-related or Baker-related. It could be both. But I think that Stafford and Baker – and I think Stafford's way better than Baker right now. Well, I don't know about right now, but throughout – stafford's career we can't ignore the success that he's had at least from an individual standpoint right. but that team's a train wreck so um my list putting the bengals there is because i think that they truly are a bad team i don't think the vikings are a bad team on paper i think they're playing bad but i do not think they're a bad team i think the, the bengals are a bad team um showing a little fight joe burrow brought that like they yeah. needed that like that that was the big knock on andy dalton is hey you know he's always smiling they'll you know, get the crappers beat in, and then he's smiling after the game as if, like, nothing had Like, that drives me nuts. I like guys with a little attitude, with a little flair. That's Joe, Bur- That's Joe Burrow. He provided that. All right? I'm stepping up to the plate saying he brings a different element of toughness. Look at and that. Positivity. positivity. But it doesn't change the fact that when I, do ridic- <laughs> when I do criticize the team, I'm not criticizing Joe Burrow. I don't think – I think people are overreacting to Joe Burrow's good two games. I don't know what he's done that people are dr- – I mean – he threw for 300 yards, as I talked about, high volume passer. At that point, he's the equivalent to a high volume shooter. If you throw the ball 60 plus times, I would hope that you could throw for 300 yards. What I have been impressed with Kev, with him being on the run constantly and with all the pressure, he doesn't throw picks. I think he has one on the season. Good, that one was crucial. That, I, yeah, yep. A shovel pass when he was scrambling. But, that, but that's a rookie, rookie turnover. That's, that's, a that's a rookie a, turnover. That's, a, that's sure. a rookie turnover. Where in his defense, that's Joe Burrow trying to make a play. Throw it away, son. Totally. That's him trying to make a play Because he's trying to make something out of that. It was A crucial point of the game You're right He did the flip I actually didn't mind well, Yeah, the Browns got the turn But no, seriously I didn't mind it Because again How many times do we You say it all the time Baker You know Gets hit too many times He gets sacked too many times he keep, You know Keeps looking down the field Stays in the pocket Steps up, steps up Boom Doesn't throw it away <clears throat> So at least with Joey B He was trying to make something happen I will give him that I think he's fine My All my criticism is not aimed at him I get frustrated because I didn't really want to be right about that because the offensive line, that's what <laughs> I was so angry about. My biggest fights with Bengals fans all offseason was about that offensive line. That is, like, for instance. Pro football focus. Like, well, where's that based out of again? So, be clear. Like, let me be clear here. This would be like, to give another example, the Reds, up until last off season, their starting pitching was horrible. It was garbage. That would be like the Reds spending all this money, like knowing. like So that would be like two years of the Reds being the worst pitching team in baseball. And then out of nowhere, they decide to spend money, but they go load up on offense, and they don't address the pitching. How frustrating would you be as a Reds fan? I would be pretty fired up. So Bengals fans always take everything I say and just get super angry and think i'm just trying to take shots sometimes you gotta pay attention to the reality of the situation that's the reality the Bengals have had a embarrassingly bad offensive line for years then the one year they finally decide to spend money they don't touch the number one glaring hold that they had here's what for me if i was a Bengals fan here's how i would have accepted this knowing that you weren't going to be a playoff team in 2020 anyways i would rather have dealt with another year of an embarrassingly bad defense like let joe protect him you have good receivers you know get your 24 25 points a game let Joey b get settled in and give up 30 points a game sure it's embarrassing sure that sucks but you know what you can work on that next offseason your first priority should have been to take care of him not well you know they didn't look good but the numbers are showing that they were graded pretty good that you're going to leave your future quarterback hopes and and you know all that you're going to leave that all up to chance that's the problem i have so bengals fans hear me out I'm not even saying it aggressive. I think you I would hope Bengals fans could even understand where I'm coming from with that. That's common sense. And anyone out there that's still trying to continue to say, oh, I'm just hating. I'm not hating. There's nothing to hate. I'm laughing. (laughs) I'm not hating. I'm laughing. Because that front office they screwed up. And it was shielded by and by the way, the improvements to the team. The only thing that they did was spend money. They didn't improve the team. They didn't improve the team. Joey B improved the team. And by the way, I'm not going to give the Bengals credit for improving the team by drafting Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick because what did it take to get Joe Burrow? Being bad. That's why I did our talk yesterday. I hate the fact that we reward bad teams with the number one overall pick. I will say this, though. If Joe Burrow keeps getting better and Baker keeps declining, at least the Bengals cashed in more on their number one overall pick than what the Browns did as far as that goes. So, there you go. All right. Week three, National Football League. Let's get to our picks, which, by the way, if you haven't done so, head to wingam.com and make sure you submit your picks. It's the ESPN Dayton NFL Pro Football Challenge, the Pick'em Challenge. You'll see it right there on the home page. Click on that. It's presented by Frickers, $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks, rewarded to the weekly round winners. And we got a lot of good games coming up this week. I'm so angry. I knew I was going to do that because I had limited Wi-Fi. Last week in Florida, I had all my picks. I must not have hit submit or something because I went to go check them all. I got them all wrong. (laughs) Now, no, I didn't get them all wrong on my picks. I got them. They were all empty. All the fields were empty. I never hit submit. That's very frustrating to me. So I have made sure that my picks are good to go for this week. What's up?
3: Breaking news. Purdue wide receiver Rondell Moore is opting back in to play for the Boilermakers this upcoming fall season. That's great
2: news. Good for him and good for the. Well, I think... I get why guys like like Wade and others for Ohio State who are going to be playing on huge stages. Are you okay with him? I'm, I don't mind him coming back. But yeah, I mean... I think it's a bigger risk for him than Wade and some of the others. I don't.
3: I think it's a, a great move for him. I think it's a way bigger risk for Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis. Those guys were first-round locks. He's Laura like... Laura has been in multiple...
2: For, in mock Again, mock drafts, but...
3: I think, yeah, I think he's, like, lower tier, so, like, he's trying to up his status, and one way to up your status is actually play some football, so I'm with it, and obviously I'm with the Ohio State guys coming back.
2: What if Micah Parsons, do you think he opts back in? He has plenty of time to do it. Ain't no linebackers or running backs
3: opting back in. I would tell him no, but you never know, man. Shoot, I didn't even think about him coming back, so that's pretty cool.
2: Ron Moreland on Facebook. Justin, where do you put the Browns? You only beat the Bengals by five points. Come on, man. Where are your head at? Guys, we got to stop being so simplistic with, oh, man, if this team beat them by five and we lost to this other team by ten, man, we're going to get – that's too simplistic of a way to think. Let's be clear here as far as this is concerned. The Browns have a embarrassingly bad defense, and they have three. It, it, the Browns' defense has been embarrassingly bad to start, but a lot of their top defensive guys are out, and they're getting a lot of those guys back. They're getting Mac, they're getting Wilson back, they're getting Denzel Ward back. They're getting a lot of, not Denzel Ward, but they're getting a lot of their secondary guys healed up and ready to go. I'm still not a fan of the Browns' defense. I said from the beginning that if they don't win the 12 games I predict, uh, predicted them to win, it wouldn't be because of the offense; it would be because of the defense, and that's proven to be a problem here. And his so, award
3: is on the injury
2: report. So he is on the injury oh, yeah. So there's that. It's not that doesn't I mean, mean he's luckily, not play. Luckily of Washington, and I will say this, the Browns have the easiest strength of schedule for the remainder of the season. And we all know how that worked for them in the second half of last season. <laughs> they had the easiest strength of schedule for the second half of last season, too, and we all know how terrible that went. So, anyways, uh, back to it. Uh, Ron says, you can joke all you want. Bengals haven't had a, a win-less season. Ron, I'm only joking at your misspelled word there. That's all I'm making a joke about. I mean, I, I don't know what else you want me to say uh, to that. I am—I I mean, again, I'm pointing out how the team looks right now. The Browns going 0-16 three years ago means nothing to me, and it doesn't really mean anything to the Bengals. Regardless, on to the picks we go. <laughs> uh, do, 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 do Tyler Schrode, uh, easiest schedule and worst quarterback. I hear you, Shrody, I see you. You're like the ooh-ooh kid. Pick me, pick me in the back of the classroom. I keep picking on you. I keep calling you. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Trey Green says, Bengals O-Line is a paper tiger. Better have the tiger. I don't think they have the tiger on their side. Tiger King. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) How's Carol Baskins? Is she still in that? uh I don't know. I
3: saw Nellie is still out there. Uh, Ginny Mai is still out there. But I haven't heard anything about the cool cats and kittens. Carol Baskin.
2: Now, like, I did hear, or like I saw the other day, that she did a little interview piece, and she was, like, crying because saying how that documentary ruined her life. Well, maybe you shouldn't have diced up your husband, lady. (laughs) (laughs) Like, seriously. Like, I mean, her and O.J., it's unbelievable how they both, like, they like, everyone knows they did it, but they just keep smiling into the camera.
3: Good for them. Good for them. ABC should be ashamed of themselves. If
2: I get up in the middle of the night to sneak dessert or something... And Nora asked me about it the next day. I have guilt written all over my face. I can't lie. It's horrible. These two people chopped people up, but they're sitting there smiling away, looking at the camera like, oh, just, hopefully I win Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> the other guy wants the, the Hertz commercial back or whatever the hell it is. I'm like, "Well, you? You're crazy. Well, it takes a lot of crazy to, to do that. So there we go. All right, let's get to our picks. Isn't that what we're supposed yes, to be sir. doing? Okay, let's start with our Thursday night football matchup tonight. Again, get your weekly picks submitted, or get your week three picks submitted at wingam.com. It's our NFL Pro, uh, pro Football Challenge. It's our weekly pick em segment, again, presented by Frickers. $25 in Frickers Fun Bucks awarded to the weekly round winners. We'll start with this matchup right here, the Dolphins and the Jaguars. The Jaguars, we talked about this earlier. That, that's a team that was positioning themselves to tank. They, got, they basically did what the Dolphins did last year. They got rid of all uh, of their high dollars. Talented pieces that basically had them within a quarter of a Super Bowl just three years ago, and yet here they are basically hitting the reset button. Gardner Minshew is a problem for them. He's a huge problem because <laughs> I don't think they view him as the quarterback of the future, but he's just good enough that he keeps putting them in like they're competitive, yeah. and they weren't trying to be competitive. Did you stop that, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, they're, gonna, they're I think the Jaguars are on the phone with the Chargers team doctor at the moment, at this very moment. <laughs> Hey, how much you charge for them punctured lungs, man? I'm going with Duval. I'm going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars, man. I'm going to go with them because I like Minshew. I think. This is two. These are two teams. For one, I don't think either team is, neither of them are making the playoffs. It would be a miracle if the Jaguars did. The Dolphins aren't in position to do so anyways. I still am not if I mean, you're on opposite sides on this. I just don't think there's enough examples of teams who have successfully benched their quarterback with the sole purpose of starting them the very next season. The Packers are the only team that does that on the regular. But, again, <laughs> like, that's that's still, That's a, I mean, you're drafting the guy to start him two or three years from now. But, like, the Dolphins are like, oh, he's not ready yet. He's not ready yet reporter like i saw a reporter on espn get up this morning you watch him in practice there's nothing about him that says he's not ready it's just the team sticking to we're not ready to put him out there just like the chargers try again they need that team doctor they need that team doctor to go puncture some lungs to get some guys in there what's a punctured lung feel like oh i don't want to know i i by the way probably an asthma attack if you go to facebook md Remember everyone that knows everything about the coronavirus, I'm sure if you said, hey, Facebook MD, what does a punctured lung feel like? What are the side effects? I bet you they would tell you like that. Like, uh, if I even bring up COVID, a lot of times the comment section fills up with some fact or some stat or whatever that they probably made up on the toilet earlier in the day. But anyways, <laughs> let's go back to it. So the picks I have, the Jaguars winning tonight, the Dolphins need to get their head out of their ass. They need to get Tua Tagovailoa out there. They need to get him out there. For one, here's the other thing, too. What if, and if they don't like what they have with him, you kind of need to know, because if you're on your well on your way to being in top five, top six pick, there's two quarterbacks that are available, which, by the way, two is good. Two is going to be fine. I don't know if he's great, but he's he has to be I mean, I just don't get it. He was a, a lock. He was the, he was talked about just like all the other great quarterbacks coming out of college were. doesn't mean that they're going to win Super Bowls right away, but, I mean, I, I just don't see a scenario that he's not good. And if you're babying him, he's just as likely to get hurt next year as he is this year. The doctor said he's 100% healthy. I'm picking the Jaguars, though. They are a three-point favorite. Maybe it's the Stash or the Beard. I don't the beard. know. The Beard uh, versus the Stash. The Falcons might be the best 0-2 team in football. Not 100% sure. I mean, you're going to look at that next week of all the you know the undefeateds and the defeateds. You're going to look at who's the best of each of those. I think the Falcons are the best 0-2 team in football. And, again, I don't know really what you win for that, uh, for that label, that title. But the bottom line is the Falcons, they let one slip through their fingers last week. They had Dallas on the road. I mean, D- Dallas was knocked out. Yeah, and they turned their backs on them and were cheering to the crowd. And the next thing they know, they turn around and the Cowboys got up and gave him a little middle finger and a Stone Cold Stunner, and then drank a beer over him. That's what the That's what the Cowboys did. So you got the Bears and the Falcons. The Bears are at the Falcons. Bears are two and zero. That's a two and zero team that I'm not really sold on. Right. Um. But you have two teams that are interesting. Two and zero Bears at zero and two Falcons. Falcons are our three point favorites. This is a defining game for the Falcons. Who again? You have Matt Ryan. You have Julio Jones. You have Gurley. You still have enough talent to win some games this year. You go for 3, though. You're you're done. You're done.
3: Right. I'm going with the Falcons, a bounce back win for them. Uh, but I won't be rooting for them this season. I want Eric B. Enemy to be their coach next year. So I hope they miss the playoffs and they fire their head coach and they hire Eric B. Enemy. But i got them winning this game.
2: I thought about this with Eric B. Enemy the other day. And I know that people are adamant that he gets a starting job somewhere. But if I'm him, he has to know the feeling of the room. Andy Reid, I mean... If you're the enemy, your best shot—not best shot, your your best chance of winning long term—is waiting out that job in Kansas City. Am I wrong?
3: I mean, it could be, but shoot, what if you got the web? Like, you look at the weapons in Atlanta and you look at the weapons in KC. Like, they ain't that far off from the weapons. And you come with your scheme, your coaching style. You feel like you can coach them up and get somebody, anybody, to fix the defense. I Let's mean, be
2: clear—every coach feels like they can build them up. And never coach. But I mean, the like, offense is fine. Like a Patricia. I think he felt he could build up. The, like, we see coaches fail all the time that come from really good coaching schemes. All I'm saying is if I'm him, your best chance at succeeding and making sure you have a spot, a job landed into your lap that you can work. Because that's the problem. Like with Ty Lue and other coaches we talked about where they want a job so bad, it's like you can't just take any job. Right. Because when you fail, not because you can't coach, but because the situation's bad, they don't think, they don't, they don't consider that. They just say, oh, it's the coach. See, told you can't win without LeBron. But, yeah, I mean, see, you can't win without Patrick Mahomes. I don't think this is that situation here. I'm just saying, I don't know how many more years Andy Reid has. If it's one season, two season, if I'm being enemy, I'm like, man, Patrick Mahomes is here for nine more years. (laughs) Every Browns reporter out there, every tweet, everything is about the run game. Baker talked about the importance of feeding the ball to Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. talked about how important it is to make sure that they are the central piece of the offense. Every other week, it's been about getting the receivers involved, getting Odell involved early. It's a different tone out of Browns camp today. They have to make the run. I mean, that's what they did last week. They they I mean, it was all about the run mm-hmm. game. If they can keep that up this week, they improved to two and one. I'm picking Cleveland. Um, but again, I just feel weird going against Dwayne Haskins and, and, and I, I'm worried about Chase Young.
3: I'm going with the Washington Buckeyes. Chase Young, Dwayne Haskins, Terry McCormick.
2: How that worked for them last Buckeyes. week. Ah,
3: they won their
2: first game though. Yeah, see, and here's what this is why the Browns will win, too. There's actually going to be fans at the Browns game, so. You know Washington might be looking for Dwayne Haskins, who's off taking pictures somewhere like he did don't last a lot of year.
3: Buckeye fans, there.
2: Exactly. <laughs> Browns win, improved to two and one. Bengals drop to zero and three. There you go, folks. Week three kicks off tonight again. Dolphins Jaguars. Will we see two at Tagovailoa? That's still uh, that's a toss up. We don't know. We don't know at this point. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Go back to uh, ESPN Dayton's uh, uh, WingAm dot to be able to watch the shows, all previous shows, including the interviews we did with Dick Vitale and Hal McCoy today. Have a great night, everybody.
4: Thank mm-hmm. you.